0: Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And away we go.
1: Another show. Another week of the Sports Cage. Coming to you live from the corner of 12th and Rose. I am Michael Ball. Join my sidekick. Sean Kleisinger, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we do appreciate you making us part of your day. You know, it's the weather's It's weird. It's not like warm, but it's not like cold. It's actually just minty, I think. I like the weather. Do you? i I love this weather. Yeah. Not too not too cold, not too warm, just right. It's the right. old
2: Goldilocks scene.
1: Yeah, just that's right, just right. Not hardly any wind. I just love it. A guy can go for a walk. I'll do that tonight. Let's do let's do the second hour out so outside, huh? Uh, let's not get stupid. All right. We're we're kind of we're not outdoor working guys, yeah, men not. and women. Um, you can get a hold of us 936-6262, the number to text. That's brought to you by the Capital Auto Group. Uh, you could call that number locally. You want to talk some sports 1-866-767-0620. Lots to get to from the weekend, but first let's start. A lot of people still talking about it, and they should. Riders. And their coaching search. Now, I'm kind of hearing it's a two-horse race. I'm hearing it's Buck Pierce and it's Corey Mace. Now, what if I were to tell you, what if I paint this scenario for you? Mm -hmm. Well, first, let's get to
2: this thing. Let's do that. SportsCade shareholders. This is what you need to know teasing him a little bit.
1: So, what if I said Scott Milanovic stays in Hamilton and Orlando Steinauer goes upstairs? What if I say Winnipeg does all it can to keep Buck Pierce in Winnipeg by making him the head coach and moving Mike O'Shea upstairs? What if I tell you, like I predicted... Corey Mace, the head coach of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, bringing in Mark Mueller. It's a scenario that could play out. In fact, got a couple of phone calls right before I got on the air, and there is some talk that could be seismic waves in the CFL with regards to that. Mm. So, very interesting. I heard Scott, through the grapevine, I heard Scott Milanovic might have been a little miff that it took... A long time to get into the hiring process with the riders. The interview process is what I mean. And uh, I got a sneaking suspicion that uh, just in some of the people I've talked to, Jeremy O'Day's uh, pretty impressed with Buck Pierce and Corey Mace. I don't think you could go wrong with either three of those guys. Milanovic obviously had the uh, head coaching experience and the offensive coordinator Buck Pierce. You're taken away from one of your rivals, and everybody says Corey Mace is salt of the earth guy. So uh, be very interesting. I'm staying by my prediction: Corey Mace, head coach, Mark Mueller, offensive coordinator, and I think we'll have an announcement by the end of the week, much like Jeremy O'Day alluded to some time ago. But stay tuned; we'll have the updated information for you when we can. Oh yes how about this singer This happened at Queen's University in Kingston
3: Ontario. UBC is 92 yards away from the end zone with four seconds to go. There are four caravan
4: up near the line of scrimmage and the other eight are way back down the field on
3: this last play desperation for UBC. A lateral to Soriano, Soriano, nowhere to go, trying to lateral, he'll head down the sideline, Jason Soriano breaks a tackle, cuts back upfield, and finally dropped at the 48-yard line. The Montreal Caravan, after years of heartbreak, have climbed the mountain
0: and have become Vanier Cup champions in 2023.
3: The
1: Montreal Caravan never gave up a touchdown in the playoff, Singer. Uh, Greatest defensive performance in U sports history, probably. I
2: just laugh. Years of heartbreak. They won a Vanier Cup within the past 15 years. I don't know what Mark
1: Lee was talking about. What's that about? Rams have never won a Vanier Cup. By the way, how about that? It was announced at halftime that the uh, Regina Rams and the city of Regina would be host to the 2025 Vanier Cup. Great news for Regina. It comes out West for the first time since 2011. First time in Saskatchewan since 2006 when it was at the U of S. We will have Pierre Arsenault on the show. The CEO of, or the president of U Sports. And that's coming up here at 335. Um, Nick Weave has a knee injury. He's going to be out. Won't be available for uh, CFL camps by uh till mid-season. He, of course, the U of S Husky got hurt in the playoffs. Uh, how about this, Singer? The big college football match, uh, matchup, Michigan against Ohio State. Play fake. McCord underneath. Intercepted.
3: Michigan. Will Johnson. Jumped the route. Crossed forward and has it at the five-yard line. Max Bredesen. The up back. All right. 22, J.J. McCarthy, looking over the middle, caught, touchdown Wolverines, Roman Wilson.
1: Gus Johnson on the call, Fox, and uh, 30-24 Michigan wins to go undefeated. They'll take on Iowa in the Big Ten title game. And uh, interesting there, Gus Johnson. Whenever I hear his voice, I think of the nineteen ninety five Great Cup broadcast. He did the American broadcast. Oh yeah, with Mike Mayock.
2: That's right. Did you see all the fans rush the field after the game? Yeah, Over I love that.
1: Dangerous. Great college tradition though. And how about this? Bama is fourth and goal from the thirty one.
5: Auburn. Check this out. That's all it is. But there's a lot of airspace to cover for Milrow. Still looking, firing. Near corner. It's caught! Touchdown, Alabama!
3: Isaiah Bond! We always keep thinking we've
6: seen it all, and we
1: never have, have we? Gary Danielson, that uh, great uh, way to end that clip. I'll tell you what, CBS Sports, SEC Football... Remember Nick Marshall, the former rider? He was part of that Hail Mary Auburn against Alabama in, the, I don't know what they call there, the Iron Bowl. The Iron Bowl. Remember that back in the day? Yeah. And uh, this is another Iron Bowl classic. Well, the Oilers have started terribly, but they're heating up a little bit here. Connor McDavid is back. Three
0: on one. McDavid Wilson shoots and scores.
1: One goal and four assists for McDavid in an 8-2 trouncing Of the um, Anaheim Ducks Got a big game against Vegas Tomorrow night The Pats have acquired 2006 born goaltender Madden Malaka Malaka How do you say it? Malaka Is how you say it I think so From Prince George For a 7th round pick In 2026 via Saskatoon. He's called up for three games with the Cougars last season, earning his first WHL win on September 23rd, 2022. We're going to hear from Al Miller before the top of the hour. But up next, Singer, we'll talk a little National Football League. Lots went on yesterday. We got Monday Night Football tonight. The Chicago Bears against the Minnesota Vikings. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
0: Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the show. Michael Ball,
1: Sean Kleisinger with you. Always welcoming you with interaction. Nine three six sixty two sixty two one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty. The numbers to pound. Do you want to talk sports, or you can always text that number nine three six sixty two sixty two. Powered by the Capital Auto Group. Zinger. I don't agree with this. I think he's a good coach. Uh, his GM sucks. They don't have any weapons there. They probably picked the wrong quarterback in Bryce Young, undersized quarterback, as opposed to C.J. Stroud. But Frank Reich is out as head coach of the uh, mm-hmm. of the Carolina Panthers.
2: That's back to back years that he has been let go. Last year with
1: the Colts, this year with the Panthers. Two uh, wingnut owners: Ursay with Indy uh, and 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 T- uh, Teppin in um, in Carolina. No wonder why these teams do not
2: build a consistent winner. You can't win when you're recycling through coaches like this.
1: Come on! But I will tell you this: How about the Colts? They're six and five. That's a big story from the weekend. Shane Steichen, Anthony Richardson, who we don't know. Like he looked. Pretty decent. He was kind of a, one of those long shot quarterbacks. Like, you know, you're like, uh, is he a first router? He's almost like, he's the, kind of like a Mitch Trubisky yep. from that ilk. But he looked pretty good till he got the shoulder injury. And how does he come back? But with Gardner Minshew, man. The Indianapolis Colts are six and five. That's pretty good for Shane Steichen and the Colts so yeah,
2: far. And Jonathan Taylor's been a huge help. Yeah, guy's yeah. Absolute, They were going to sign him. Like I was, I watched, I was watching Red Zone yesterday, and yeah. I was watching some of that Colts game. And Jonathan Taylor, his knack of breaking tackles, like, has to be at the top of the league. Oh, it's awesome. I'm impressed with those Colts yeah, right now. I love now. it. I love it.
1: Uh, I love. I, I have, I have mad respect for running backs because they don't oh, get yeah. the love they deserve. And that would, if my kid was to start football again, you're, well, let's use yours. If Caspi wants to play football, keep Casper away from the running back spot. Mm. Oh, absolutely! Make him a kicker.
2: Yeah, or a long snapper. Or a long
1: snapper. Yeah, that's what I was talking with my dad about.
2: I was yeah. like, when Casper's older, he is going to be in the CFL or NFL as a place. Dude, kicker. how about this? I'm training him as soon as he can understand what I'm saying to him. We're going to the Riffle I Royals want- Field and we're kicking field. Goal. Love it, love it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah love it, love yeah. it.
1: I want you to go back and YouTube old NFL games. <laughs> CFL always had the little the. The little raised tee. So that helped them, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, although I do think it's harder to kick in the Canadian Football League. We'll ask John Ryan about that a little later on. He's going to be on the show. But in the NFL, if a kicker made around a 50-yard field goal back in the 80s, early 90s, you're like, wow. Mm-hmm. Jake Elliott yesterday oh. bombed a 58-yard field goal on, on natural grass in a monsoon to tie the game and send it to overtime for the Eagles, who by the way were wearing those beautiful Kelly oh. Green uniforms. Oh. Second best unis in the league behind my Chargers. But I tell you this, man, what th- that should not be understated. What a kick. It is hard to kick field goals. I don't we say oh, kickers. There's not a lot of people that could be a kicker.
2: There is like a handful of people in this whole world, world. that could do that. Do you yeah. see Jalen Hurts sitting on the sideline after that ball went through the uprights? He, he was just it. like shaking his head. He was like,
1: He couldn't believe it. He was
2: it. like, That's crazy. Like, I can't believe that.
1: Now, the Eagles play ugly football, but they're 10 and 1. You know, another team that plays ugly football and they're. Uh, nine and three, and they're on a crash course to play in the Super Bowl. I know things can happen. Uh in the last few Januarys. Lamar Jackson has not been a available or very good in the playoffs, but the Baltimore uh Ravens and the Eagles are on a collision course to play in a Super Bowl. Yeah, the 49ers could throw a wrench into those plans. I don't see anybody competing with Baltimore. Like Bolt in, in the AFC, Baltimore has A next level defense. Like they're almost, they're almost 2000 Baltimore Ravens like, man. And did you see that? I don't really pay attention to them much because they're a boring team to watch. But when they play your team like they played mine yesterday, that Kyle Hamilton, number 14, 6'4, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, a safety. Unbelievable.
2: You know, I was liking those purple pants that they were wearing last night. Remember, uh, they kind of wore those back in the year yeah. 2000 when they won the, their Super Bowl. I wasn't a season. big
1: fan of the Chargers-Navies. Those look like a cheap knockoff. Like yeah. you get on a Too many uniform
2: combos. They, they just simplify it a bit. They, yeah. got, they got nice threads. You don't yeah. need to dive into those. By the
1: way, let's talk LA teams. So <laughs> let's talk about the Chargers for a minute, okay? Mm. So did you know today, when you look at the standings, the San Diego Chargers of Los Angeles have a generational quarterback. Like, probably, Zinger, you'd only take five or six quarterbacks ahead of Justin Herbert. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, right? Like, he he is not the problem. Do you know that the San Diego Chargers of Los Angeles, with the second highest paid defense in the NFL, oh. have as many wins as the New York football giants with Danny DeVito as their quarterback?
2: Does you know that to that, to your point there, the Chargers they are second last in the whole in the whole NFL with yards against their defense. It's embarrassing. How does that happen when you? How pay is that still? How does Frank money?
1: Wright get fired and Brandon Staley? I'll tell you how the Chargers have the worst ownership in. Professional sports and it's not even close. The dude had San Diego, could have could have had a great team in, in America or great stadium in America's finest city. He doesn't spend on coaches. They've they've had in the last three coaches Anthony Lynn, Mike McCoy, and this dude. Like embarrassing. They've wasted Dan Fouts, Phillip Rivers, and and now Justin Herbert's career because they're going to do that. Believe me, I've seen the movie a hundred times. I know how <sighs> Top Gun ends. Do you know what? What else is embarrassing? Did you see the Raiders and Chiefs game? Did you happen to see the well, crowd? I saw, it was fourteen nothing, but it was mostly Chiefs. Did you see the crowd? No, all red. So it's worse than LA even. All, at least like at least the Chargers have some fans. Five percent red.
2: Like, yeah. What are we getting at here? That's the way it's going to be. Fifteen twenty years from now, when all these stadiums at brand, yep. stadium, yep. uh, yep. brand new stadiums all these teams at brand new stadiums. It's going to be like that.
1: That's I like, I'm a Chargers fan only because I was a Chargers fan in San Diego. And towards the end, they were mad at Spano, so they just sold their tickets off and everybody went there as visitors. But that's why outside of the Chargers, I like cheering for the Bengals, the Colts, the Packers, so those like Midwestern teams that just Football tradition. Mm -hmm. You know, even the Detroit Lions, I know they're in your division, but, uh, you know, those people are meat and potatoes people. Pittsburgh Steelers, same type of thing.
2: Billion dollar stadiums. The rich people buy these tickets and they sell them. They sell them on the market. The regular folk can't afford to buy tickets to these stadiums anymore.
1: That's the way it's going to be 25 years from now. Who would have thought? fandom 's dying uh, who thought who th- and that 's why i don 't watch Red Zone that much by the way, Red Zone, they had to think about this, think about the dedication by the way he 's going to come on the show later this week i 'm told scott hansen oh he 's a beauty <laughs> he is with the Red Zone. He stayed in the studio after the fire alarm went off. Like, the fire <laughs> alarm went off, his crew and everybody left, and he stayed on the yeah. air. The place could have been burned into the ground, and he stayed on the air to give you up-to-date highlights. He was going down with the scores. I love it. I love Scott Adams. <laughs> That's asked.
2: the definition of living and dying your craft.
1: By the way, you're an NFL fan. Paul Allen, who is the voice of the Minnesota Vikings, he comes to us on Thursday. They're going to be on their bye week. they got a big game here against the the Bears tonight. Uh, Who would have thought, though, that I'm not a big red zone guy. Like, I like picking a game and watching it. I don't like all over the place. Who would have thought the marquee early game was Jacksonville and Houston? If I would have told you at the start of the year, you'd be like, that's crazy. But, Lawrence and Stroud going toe-to-toe. I like that C.J. Stroud. He's got it. He's got that it, if there's such a thing as an it. Yeah, they had a
2: number of big plays called back in that game, too, Houston. Like, they by the game. way,
1: I'm glad you brought that up. Sorry for cutting you off. Is NFL refing at an all-time low? Yeah. Herbert got tattooed <laughs> on the sidelines, three yards out of bounds, no penalty. Just talking about my own team's game. A fair catch by... Davis of the Chargers, he's on the sidelines. The guy hits him, and because the ball flies out of bounds, like in the air, they don't call uh, catcher interference. Like, um, the. Terrible officiating in the Eagles Bills game. Like, it's an, an all. Like, the CFL officiating, dollars to dollars, way better than the NFL officials.
2: Yeah, it's. Uh, I can't help but think about the Vanier Cup, too, with that targeting penalty It would have extended oh, UBC's drive and terrible. they could have won the game. And those are the
1: bozos that come upstairs to the CFL. How much more
2: obvious of a targeting call could you get without a flag
1: being thrown? Yeah. Like, uh, my, my brain is mush. I don't get it. So, I was telling you about um, I need help. the Rams and the Chargers. Look at the Rams. The Rams had Aaron Donald. Matt Stafford, Aaron Donald and a bunch of nobody young guys on defense defense. Matt Stafford. Um you got Puka Nakua, though you didn't know who he was. And he had uh who's the other guy before him? Um what uh, position? The white receiver. Oh, uh Cooper Cup Cooper Cup Yeah, so that's about all you had And that team is in a playoff spot You got the Chargers with all the money And the generational quarterback You got the aging quarterback And these, you know, a handful of guys And they're in a playoff spot What a coaching job by Sean McVay
2: The the Rams? Yeah If the season ended today The Rams would be on the outside looking but in But they're in it. the mix the, so. the, they're, Yeah, they're, it's true They're on the bubble they're on the bubble. You on the bubble. Listen,
1: you. They're the over. The Chargers are not on the bubble. No, they're, to they're your done. They're done. They got to win out. They're over-under. The over under. The over under for the Rams for their wins at Vegas was five. Mm. Yeah, the they're five. The they're five and six yeah. right now. And here's Same a, with Green Bay here's a great tiebreaker. Here's a great stat you can weigh in, Zinger, and our listeners can weigh in at nine three six sixty two sixty two on our text line. This is from our buddy Luke Mulder. I got it off his Twitter feed, but here's uh here's something that uh, just came to light the last day or so in his is this more impressive in his 23 year career tom brady never took a snap where his team was mathematically eliminated from the playoffs in 23 years or in his 17 year career larry fitzgerald recorded more tackles than drop passes larry fitzgerald had 42 tackles in his career cardinals receiver he dropped 29 passes in 2,335 targets.
2: Well, from an individual standpoint, you have to go with the latter there. I think that one outweighs it. Because That's That just comes straight down to him. You know, Isn't
1: that crazy? That's
2: craziness, man.
1: The, the Chiefs have 29 drops so far this year from their wide receivers. 28 of them from Marquez Valdés <laughs> Stanton. <laughs> hey, we're going to take a break. Uh, You'd know that as a Packer fan. When we come back on the other side, we are going to talk about our coach of the week, and we'll hear from Pierre Arsenault about the Vanier Cup coming to Regina. Yes, the president of U Sports joins us here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Uh-huh. It's three
2: thirty-one with the sports ticker getting set for Monday Night Football tonight. It's the three and eight Chicago Bears in Minnesota to take on the six and five Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are clinging on to one of those wild card spots in the NFC. Kickoff tonight slated for seven fifteen
0: p.m. Each week, the Sports Cage highlights a coach making a difference both on and off the playing surface. This is the Coach of the Week.
1: One day, the Denver Broncos are losing by 50 and in total disarray. Two months later, they're riding a five-game winning streak, the longest in the NFL, into the AFC playoff picture ahead of the Bills and Bengals. It seems inexplicable. The defense has really turned it around, and it's difficult to know why they were playing so poorly and now so well, facing the Dolphins' supercharged CFL-like pre-snap motion so early in the season in that Miami Heat, while implementing a new scheme was surely... A problem. Maybe it was demoting 70 million dollar pass rusher Randy Gregory after that Miami debacle and then cutting him one week later. Could have jolted the locker room. Peyton showed long ago he could win more than one way. He was ten and three with Teddy Bridgewater and Jameis Winston in the Saints lineup when given enough defensive support. Peyton's doing the same thing now with this version of Russell Wilson and a defense But not long ago had many people wondering whether Vance Joseph, the D coordinator, would last the season. You'd have to think, at least to this point, Sean Payton has to be considered in the Coach of the Year conversation. Right now, there is no debating it. He is our Sports Cage, Coach of the Week.
0: With Saskatchewan sports fans, come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM.
1: Time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Take a slice out of your fall cooking schedule. Let Western Pizza do the cooking tonight. Uh, Pierre, have you ever had Western Pizza?
7: I don't think I've had the good fortune, but you certainly make it uh, sound like it's something I should try.
1: You need to do that when you come in here for the 2025 Vanier Cup. This is U Sports President Pierre Arsenault. We'll get into that in a second. That's some big news here locally, but let's go back to Saturday. The Montreal Caravan, a 16-9 hard-fought win over UBC. Maybe the greatest defense in U Sports history. They didn't give up a touchdown in the entire playoffs.
7: Yeah, they were. You know, they were certainly uh, like you just said. I mean, they just went. Laval, Western, UBC didn't give up a touchdown. And 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 uh, um, i I've, I've watched them live for the last two weeks. They're fast. They're explosive. And then. Then you throw in on the other side of the ball, that Creighton winner, Johnson Senecal, like quarterback, and he's just a playmaker, keeps plays alive with his feet and was the MVP of the game. And, uh, you know, when they, they started to roll at 9 nothing, it felt like in the stadium they were really going to roll. But give UBC credit, they played them really tough and they hung around, and uh, it ended up being a really enjoyable game. True
1: Canadian National Championship. You had the team way out west and a team east, so it was a, it was a nice matchup for sure.
7: Yeah, absolutely. And both both teams uh, crowds uh, traveled well. Obviously, Montreal is closer, so um <laughs> Excuse me. They had a great contingent, and the local crowd in Queens uh, and the Kingston community and the surrounding area really supported the game well. They had the festival feel all day, and it was uh, it was the type of the day that we want to celebrate the Canada Life Family Cup.
1: Seems like it was a real rebirth of football in Canada, not only at uh, your level, U uh, Sports level, but of course at the CFL. And man, the province of Quebec with Montreal winning the Grey Cup and. The uh, Vanier Cup, uh, you, you got for the first time, I think since 1980, that's happened where like when Edmonton, the then Eskimos and the Alberta Golden Bears won it, we get the same thing here somewhat 43 years later. But uh, yeah, just a rebirth of football or continued uh, um, uptick in football in Quebec.
7: Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, again, I mean, two great programs. And, and and you're right, I was there in Montreal at the UTech Bowl last week and the energy was electric. It always is at their stadium. And, and uh, you could feel the story and, and what's, you know, I mean, the connection as well. You feel that there were a number of players um, playing in the Vangue Cup yesterday that are going to go on to CFL careers. And, and I think that even the, the – that story, and if you look at the Grey Cup the week before, there are a number of new sports athletes playing in that game and playing 5 a roles. And, and uh, you know, that story, the connection of that seems to be really yeah, getting some steam as well.
1: Well, in the Caravan connection in the crowd, you had Danny Machocha there, you had Anthony Calvillo, both tied into that program, and then the head coach, Jason Moss, of the Montreal Alouette, So, Queens, just to wrap up, Queens, Kingston,
7: they did a great job there. Yeah, I know they're in, in this. Uh, it was a wonderful day. I learned that. Uh, um, Queen's really embraced the community, really embraced, and, and, and took a lot of pride in um, showcasing, uh, the, you know, our our, our, our our most important university football game of the year. And, and we're already excited to go back there in, in 2024 um, and be able to build on on the experience this year. And then uh, it's great also to have the path laid out for 25 and 26.
1: Yeah, so talk about twenty-five because it affects our community, Regina. You're going to the best outdoor football stadium in the country uh, here in Regina at Mosaic Stadium. How, how does uh, how does it come to pass that Regina gets on the radar to host their first ever Vanier Cup?
7: Yeah, so we we have a bid process that that any of the you know communities uh, could could uh, usually rooted in uh participating school, but uh, you know even a and, uh, a sport group in a, a community could could bid and and so there we had a competitive process for 25 26 good interest and good momentum around uh, hosting the game right now and and uh you know i, I we're really we were really thrilled to see the, what the the football community and uh, to come to life and and, in, in Regina full credit, there's already provincial and municipal government involvement, the tourism association. And then obviously rooted in uh, Lisa Robertson and the group at Cougar athletics and the Regina uh, and the football group as well. And, 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 uh, you know, so we 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 had talked about. I mean, the starting point has to be an interest in the local community and a, and a pathway for them to be able to come and and put the bid forward. And so when we saw it come in, we were really excited. And and uh, you know, this we're, this is a string now of. Um, first time the venue was in London last year, first time it was at Queen's this year, and this will be the first time at Regina. And um, we've had really good experiences in going to new communities where um, there's an energy and an excitement and, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll need the support of that wonderful football community, football uh, uh, nation there in in Saskatchewan. And and we're really uh, pleased and excited to head to Regina.
1: So when you're uh, looking at this though, as the committee and with you uh, as the president, uh, you know, um, you're in, you're in smaller venues like in London and like in Kingston. Now you're going to a bigger venue, a 33,000-seat venue. Do you, do you think about how that presents, how many tickets can be sold, how does that present on TV, that type of thing?
7: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Excuse me. That, that, that certainly plays a factor. And, I mean, as you just said and you set it up uh, nicely, it's a, such a wonderful venue and, and such... Football history in in uh, in Regina and in, in Saskatchewan, and and so we'll certainly work with the local group and, and um, follow the lead of, of uh, those who know the facility the best. I, I think there's already good discussion about um, ticket strategies to to encourage uh, as as healthy a crowd as possible, and then I think it's just a matter of of being creative to um, embrace what we know will be a good and energetic crowd, and and uh, put position it and and set that up package it in the stadium in the way that it just uh, becomes the best experience for everybody
1: i've always said this pierre i'm very i'm an advocate of uh Of uh, Canadian University football players of Canadian football players in general even at the junior level. We need to promote, promote, promote at this level so that when they get to the CFL they're already kind of like household names the best we can, kind of like the NFL and their college players. So when a Vanier Cup comes to town, like say in 2025, uh, can we expect kind of a, a, a mini Grey Cup? We don't expect it to be like the Grey Cup, I get it, but like in terms of player awards and some of the things going on around the game.
7: Yeah, I mean, and, and one of the things that we uh, hope to accomplish and, and feel like um, getting out in front with the decisions and giving Regina um, a good healthy runway, giving Laval and in 2026 a good healthy runway to, to plan and really build out and same thing. I mean, the, the experience this year with Queens where they had, um, you know, for five, six months for the first one, but now have 12 months before they host again. Um you'll you'll see exactly that. There's a Thursday night awards night. We we saw a fan fest on Friday night in, in the downtown core of Kingston uh and, and fan fest Saturday morning around yesterday's game and, and so with some time to uh um with some time to plan out and and uh you know um and with the, the most important recipe being just uh football crazy fans and, and uh and sports crazy fans and Regina and in Saskatchewan. Um, we we really uh, know that, that we were, we have great interest in working with all the local partners to to build this to to be as much of a festival as possible.
1: Well, we're looking forward to it because it's the it, it's kind of and I'm glad it's starting to move around a little bit. I know you said it, it's determined on the bidding process, but we haven't had one in Saskatchewan since the 2006 one at Griffith Stadium. We haven't had one out west. Uh, it'll be 14 years by the time it rolls through here because it was the 2011, uh, thriller, maybe the best one ever before the 2011, uh, great cup in Vancouver. So, uh, this is good that it's coming out West.
7: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I remember talking to you a year ago and, and, uh, you know, and, and, that's just, uh, hypothesizing about whether it was possible again. And, and, you know, I can't emphasize enough that, uh, the route that we're grateful for is is that there was a will in the Regina community and amongst all the partners and and um, and, and, and with the University of Regina to make this happen and um, and and with that, it certainly was a decision that our committee was uh, excited to support. Says the
1: U Sports President Pierre Arsenal. Thanks for your time, man, and thanks uh, for doing your part to uh, help bring the Vanier Cup here to Regina for the first time ever.
7: Yeah, thanks for always uh, talking U Sports. We really appreciate it.
0: Bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
1: All right, welcome back to the Sports Cage. Michael Ball, Sean Kleisinger here. And let's uh, keep the show going. We'll get a couple of your texts to at 936-6262. Brought to you by the Capital Auto Group. But let's uh, get out on the Western Pizza Hotline and say hi to the uh, general manager of your Regina Pats, Al Miller. Hi, Al. Hey Balzi, how you doing? Good man. Where are you? Uh, GM's job is never done. You're driving around. Where are you?
4: Yeah, I spent uh, spent the last four days in uh, the U.S. A uh, little doubleheader in Seattle and Everett Friday, Spokane, Portland uh, around, just uh, uh, preparing for the next uh, few weeks and. Uh, I'm on my way back to Calgary right now.
1: Okay, so tell me about uh, the trade today, you guys. Uh, you've been wheeling and dealing lately. You made another trade.
4: Yeah, you know what? We added a young goaltender to our our group here. is uh, a young guy that uh pretty good resume in terms of the Alberta Cup. Uh, played World Under-17s. Uh, got caught in a goalie crunch in, in PG with... Uh, Uh, You know, a young goalie that's gone in there and is the best young goalie in our league right now. And uh, so he was the odd man out, which happens. Doesn't mean he's uh, a bad goalie, but uh, needs an opportunity. And uh, uh, so, you know, we bring him in, uh, fits in with our core group in terms of the age of what we're trying to build and uh, create a little bit of competition with... uh, Huey and Pine as well. How
1: are you uh, feeling about your goaltending with that in mind?
4: Well, I think, you know what, it's, it's you, you know, we're, we're in a situation where we have two rookie, essentially two rookie 18 year old goaltenders. So there's going to be ups and downs. Um, you know, Huey has the pedigree, again, a pretty good resume, uh, but at the same time, He's a rookie goaltender in the WHL. Um, you know. So I think our goaltending of late has been just okay. Um, I don't put all of that on the goaltending. Um, I think collectively our game, uh, we need to get back to what we were the first 12-15 uh, games in terms of our identity, structure, details, work ethic. Um, but there are times that we're going to need a timely save. Uh, to get us into overtime or help us grind out a point or grind out a win, so we can stay in the playoff mix here, and uh, so certainly adding Malaka today, uh, there is a competitive nature to the addition. Um, but we also wanted to look at adding a young goaltender to our group that could potentially be the number one guy a year or two down the road, Ballsy. Hey, who handles... Okay, so
1: when the trades are made like... Forgive me for my ignorance on this, but who handles... Because this is the unique thing about junior hockey, unlike if you play like U Sports football or college football, you're not getting traded, you leave in a transfer portal or whatever. Who handles like the billets and all that logistical stuff off the ice, Al?
4: Well, it's a great question because, you know, obviously a unique situation yesterday... Essentially, the trade was done as I I was getting into Portland, uh, doing the details while I'm sitting up in the corner in the old Memorial Coliseum,
6: (laughs) uh,
4: watching the game, texting. Um, So I got a young guy in the office, our manager of hockey ops, Tristan Fry. So I coordinate with him. He does up the trade agreement, sends it to Mark Lamb, PG. He files it with the league. We get the deal approved. Tristan works with the player and the family. So, you know, he coordinated uh, uh, the young guy driving in with his mom today. Um, She'll fly home tomorrow, leave a car for him. Uh, Tristan's going to work through communicating with the Billet family, uh, with Amy Kerr from our front office, um, and at the same time connect the Billet family with Lulaka's parents so that everybody feels comfortable about the move because he's a young guy. Uh, Get him set up in school. Um, So it's a collective group effort. And uh, uh, when I'm on the road and, you know, Tristan Fry is a good young guy that uh, does a lot of work with our player and team services and that looks after a lot of those details that are, that are so important because, you know, we want this family, first impressions are first impressions, Baldy. We want them to feel good about a new opportunity and that they're young Son's going to be looked after, and I think Tristan did a great job in doing that.
1: Well, thanks uh, for filling us in. That's a great description, Al Miller, general manager of the Regina Pats, because that that is. Um that, you know, we had Kevin Gallant on the show last week, Kevin Gallant's two sons playing junior hockey, one on the SJHL, one with the Warriors got traded to Edmonton on the same day his SJHL kid went from Estevan to Weyburn. And I, I asked him when you were the voice of the Pats and junior hockey, you probably didn't think because you were a young guy how much that, you know, that human side of it factors in. But that really is a big deal. Like you're you're up, you're uprooting kids lives.
4: It's uh, it's significant, ballsy. You know, at the end of the day, um, you know, you're, o- you're only as good as, you're only as good of you're only as good an organization in terms of how you treat your people. And uh, um, you know, when it comes to your player environment, um, you know, if you're going to get the best players to play in Regina, then you have to have an organization that does things the right way. Um, that has the right facilities, that has the right academic program, the right billet program, the right development model. Um, all, all those things are, are, are vital. And uh, that's why I've got to be surrounded by real good people like Tristan and Brad Haroff, Ken Snyder, Evan McFeeders, our group there, Gord Cochran, Andrew Kutkoff, and, uh, you know, our training. Um, you know, because they all have a hand in, um our player environment you know you acquire a young guy you know you make arrangements to get him to town our equipment manager gord cochran connects with them what do you need when you get here want to make sure i got sticks for you make sure i got the right skates the, the right equipment all that stuff and all that communication is uh is significant in what your program is all about
1: Al, uh, I think I heard on a Pats broadcast, because we broadcast all the games, obviously, and proud to do it, but we have a different audience. Some people aren't listening at that time. I think I heard you say, you know, you're looking at maybe getting a little younger because you, you I think, we're the second oldest team in the Western Hockey League. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you said that. Is that, you know, what's behind that strategy? Well, you
4: know what, uh, Baldy, at the, the end of the day... Um, and I know I've said at the end of the day a couple of times, I'll try not to continue with that cliche. Um, but, um, you know, the end result is is we want to be a com- a competitive as best we can this season and, and get into the playoffs. Ultimately, the end goal, whether it's this year, a year from now, or two years from now, we want to be a contending team. You want to win a championship. So... You know, as I come into this team, this process, I look at where we're at on the roster. I look at our prospect pool. I look at our draft capital. You know, I've mentioned it before. We've lacked a lot of picks in, in recent years and moving forward. No one in a two last year. I inherited no one in a three going into this year. Um, so there's, there's things moving forward that we want to do here in terms of drafting well, developing our players. Uh, we, we we were at one point the second oldest team in the league. We want to build around the core. We want to get some younger players in our lineup. We want to get our development model going. We want to add some picks to our program while at the same time trying to be as competitive as we can. A little bit of a jigsaw puzzle, but at the same time, the end goal is how do we build it? When do we get there? When's our best time to be a contending team? And this year and next year, there may be some tough decisions, but at the same time we need to make the right decisions in terms of where we're going and how we get there.
1: Al, thanks for your time. Hey, one more question. What's your favorite barn to sit in now that you're back on the circuit? What's your like you talked about the old Portland Memorial Coliseum? I've called a game from there. Is there a favorite uh barn of yours, old haunt of yours, you like to go into? <laughs> Did we lose him? <laughs> we lost him. Okay. Anyway, I love that old uh, Memorial Coliseum. That's That was a classic. I did tour the, I don't think it's the Rose Garden anymore. It's something like, isn't the Honda Center or something like that? It's Or something, Sco, uh, oh, what is it? In it's, Portland? Yeah, what is it? It's I think the, it's the Moda. Moda, that's what it was. That's yeah, the it Moda. It used, used to be the Rose Garden. I toured that when I was there with the Pats, but we played in the old Memorial Coliseum. Um, let's get to a text that I got here. Um, nine three six sixty two sixty two. Mike says you better watch for Zinger and my Packers. They'll be a playoff team this year. Do you think they're a play? Are they a playoff team right now? They're no, not. No, they're, no, they're the
2: they're on the outside looking in right now. If the season ended right now, the Packers would be the eighth seed. So, uh, yeah, the Seahawks and the Vikings are just ahead of them. That's why I am cheering for the Bears tonight. Yeah, there you go. Uh,
1: also got this, Ballsy, Did I hear you say that Milanovic isn't going to be the coach here? Um. That's not what I said. I texted this or I tweeted this, and I got a couple of uh, people reach out to me, tell me they're hearing these things. So I'm just passing it along to you. I'm not saying it's gospel, but I tweeted this. What if Milanovic stays in Hamilton as the head coach and Orlando Steinauer goes upstairs as the. president of football operations, general manager or whatever. What if Buck Pierce becomes the Bombers head coach and Mike O'Shea goes upstairs to which people say, well, O'Shea's not going to be the GM. <laughs> well, um, I know he's an alpha, but maybe he does in order to keep Buck Pierce. Or maybe they give Buck Pierce... Is Buck Pierce the assistant head coach there right now? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, like, so they'd have to... They don't want to lose Buck Pierce, let's be honest. So... Kyle Walters doesn't have a contract. There's an opening upstairs. I'm I'm hearing that's what they could be doing with Buck Pierce. Making him the head coach so he stays. O'Shea goes upstairs, keeps it in the fold. And then that would leave Corey Mace as the Riders head coach. And if Mace comes, he will bring Mark Mueller as his offensive coordinator. I think that's a real possibility. I believe that scenario is a real possibility. I'm also hearing that Mace and Pierce have really impressed in their... uh, Interviews initial round with the riders. So I saw Mike O'Shea. He confirmed
2: that there was outside interest for Buck Pierce to be a head coach in the Canadian. Well, football. thanks, Tim. I, I wonder where. That, yeah, I wonder where that.
1: I is. wonder if where is it. I don't know. I don't think. I think if I was ranking him right now, I'd put Mace Pierce. Milanovic, one, two, three. That's how I'd rank the coaches. That's what you, you want me to answer the question. That's what I'm doing. Call me an idiot. I some want guy, Pierce. Some, some guys say if Pierce if Pierce is the coach, will you stop reporting? Well, it's not a report. It's a pr- I'm just telling you what I'm hearing, and it's a prediction. Yeah. Not reporting that it's happening.
2: I want but- Buck Pierce, and I want Drew Brown as the quarterback, Ooh. and let's beef up the O-line.
0: Let's go. Yeah, that's dicey. Yeah, I like that.
1: This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
0: 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is The Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball.
1: All right, welcome back to the show. Michael Ball here, corner of 12th and Rose in downtown Regina. Appreciate you being with us. Sean Kleisinger with us. How are you doing, Sean?
2: I'm. Um, Fantastic today,
1: looking good, man. Thanks, man. Get into a mic. That's that's a mic you talk into it. Eh? People can hear you. Yeah, easily all seven of our listeners. I don't know
2: what I'm doing quite
1: yet. Nine three six sixty two sixty two the number to text if you want to talk sports. Brought to you by the Capital Auto Group. You can also call that number nine three six sixty two sixty two or one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty. Yes, I did rank who I think the rider like the coaches right now. The most likelihood of them being the coach of this football team. Number one, Corey Mace, Argo's defensive coordinator. Number two, Buck Pierce. Number three, Scott Milanovic. I don't think Milanovic is leaving Hamilton. I think Milanovic is going to be the head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I would not be shocked to see Buck Pierce named head coach of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers with Mike O'Shea going upstairs. I wouldn't be shocked by that. Might not happen, but I wouldn't be shocked. Corey Mace here is the head coach. Some people are like, ha! Oh, nobody's going to go to the games. Mediocrity. Okay, wait a minute. Let me talk you through this. How do you know Corey Mace is a mediocre coach and Buck Pierce isn't a mediocre head coach? Actually, if you want to use data, we can use data. We hey, let's use data. Yes. Everybody's in analytics.
2: Yeah, let's crunch them. Let's okay, let's crunch cr- let's crunch
1: the little analytics here. Yeah. Argos were sixteen and two, right? Were they sixteen and two? Mm -hmm. Greatest season in Argos history. One of the greatest regular seasons in the history of the CFL. Did Corey Mace's defense lose that game to Montreal?
2: No, Chad Kelly lost it.
1: What does Chad Kelly play? (laughs) Quarterback. So that's on the offensive side, right? Correct. Okay, so... um, Why am I talking like Chris Jones? Wait a minute, wait wait a minute, wait a minute. I just got to think about this for a second. Okay, Mm -hmm. who played in the Grey Cup here in Grey Cup 109? Toronto and Winnipeg. Right. Who is the offensive coordinator of Winnipeg? Buck Pierce. Who is the D coordinator of the Argos? Corey Mace. Who won the game? Toronto. Whose defense stifled Winnipeg's at the end? Toronto. Oh, right. Whose offense has lost the last two great cup games? Winnipeg. And, and, and what side of the ball really let down the Blue Bombers in those two great cup losses? Offense. So... That doesn't mean I'm cutting down Buck Pierce. Buck Pierce is a very good coach. But how how can you say Buck Pierce is the better option than Corey Mace? You can make a case for it, but how can you tell me that, ah, Corey Mace, nobody will go to the games and dismiss it right away? This is what else I hear. Why would Mark Mueller be a good OC? Why would he be a good OC? Well, Bo Levi Mitchell. Bo Levi Mitchell, is he, was he a pretty good quarterback at his peak?
2: Future Hall of Famer.
1: Yeah. He's a what? Future Hall of Famer. Did he uh, come on this show? Did he come on this show and say Mark Mueller's one of the brightest football minds he's ever been around, period?
2: Yeah, a couple
1: couple times. Now, it's true. Mark Mueller got his play calling duty stripped early in Calgary. But was that Mark Mueller's fault? Or was that Dave Dickinson wanting to take over again? Because he's an alpha, was a quarterback, thinks nobody can do it better than him, so he took it back from him. Was it Mark Mueller's fault the tackles couldn't block? Was it Mark Mueller's fault that Jake Mayer played below his potential? That's the thing. You people are prisoners of the moment. Some of you, you run guys out of town. Jason Moss. How many times do we take calls? Jason Moss sucks as an offensive coordinator. Oh, he's terrible. I can't stand watching his offense. Zinger. Who won the Grey Cup this year? Yeah. Who won Montreal? He, who Alouettes? was their coach? Jason Moss. Yeah. Right. 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 Jason Moss. Jason Moss. So. <laughs> It's it's crazy, man. It's crazy. You, I think I you think people you people don't. It's it, it, it's 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 mind boggling to me sometimes. I think
2: uh, I'm gonna speak for some Ryder fans. I think the idea of Buck Pierce is just more sexier because he was a quarterback in the league. His name is more well known, and plus he is an offensive coach, and I think that's more attractive, quote unquote, attractive. Well, it fits into the, of,
1: it fits into the salary cap for yeah, sure,
2: and and. When you bring him over here, you he could be the head coach in the O. C. But that hey, maybe the D C yeah. I, I think what it comes down to what separates them is fans just think that's a more sexier thing because he was a quarterback in the league well, and I, it, I, and his name is more recognizable. And
1: I'm on record as saying that an offensive coach is probably the way I would go because football's offensive now because it's geared to more towards the offense and I want my D guy focusing on the D. But there's one thing about saying that and another thing about saying who I think the coach is going to be. I know Jeremy O'Day is like Corey Mace for a long time, but I'm also hearing Buck Pierce is impressed in interviews. My point is, don't just say, (laughs) Corey Mace, get out of here. Get out of here. The guys won a great cup. He was the defensive coordinator for the 16-2 Toronto Argonauts. He was championship pedigree with the Calgary Stampeders, and Ottawa almost hired hired him as their head coach.
2: What I'm saying is both guys are going to be Good head coaches in this league. It's just if I were to pick one, I would like to see Buck Pierce because to me, I think an offensive minded head coach is where this team needs to go the direction. Here, okay, they here,
1: go. here, here, here's another narrative. Do you really I want to hear from you. Nine three six sixty two sixty two. Is Buck Pierce gonna sell more tickets than Corey Mace? Are you really going to tell me that you're going to buy a season ticket because Buck Pierce is the co- coach? Yeah, I don't and know. Co- who goes to the game to watch the head coach? Mm-hmm. Maybe Wayne Gretzky when he was the, the Arizona Coyotes because they had nothing else to sell. Well, it's going to
2: come down to, to them winning football games. You not, think people standing on? The oh, side. I got to get
1: my fifty-yard line seats because Mike O'Shea's my head coach. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. It's about the players. It's about who, who he can, what kind of culture he can bring. Now, Buck Pierce with Drew Brown could be interesting, but do you want to give your team when you got to win? You want to give your team to a first time head coach with a first time starting quarterback. Yeah,
2: it comes down to that. But you need an offensive line. If you can pay Trevor Harris whatever he gets paid and beef up the offensive line, not saying what we have is bad right now, but I think you'd be foolish not to think that the Riders can upgrade along the offensive line. And can they do that if they sign a big start? Like, I like the approach that that BC went a couple years ago, that Toronto went when, you know, Chad Kelly's on his rookie deal.
1: Like, that's why these teams are good. You got to win, though, and you need a quarterback to win. You need a quarterback to win. If you got a quarterback, you got well, a chance it, to win. It
2: is risky, but when Drew Brown has had a chance to play, he, he had a big time game over 300 yards passing earlier on this year when he
1: came in. Uh, I think he can play. I'm not poo pooing it. I'm okay. Whoever they pick, I'm okay. There's not a bad choice in those three. Don't act like there's like Corey Mace is this terrible choice. He's mediocre. Mm-hmm. He, ah, oh, he won't, I don't want him. He won't sell tickets. He, 16 and 2 would sell a lot of tickets. Whatever
2: decision is made, it's going to come with some risk whether you choose this, that, that. It's going to be risky no matter yeah. what. That's just the nature of the biz.
1: It's also fun talking about yeah. on this biz. We'll be back with uh, our clutch performer and much much more including John Ryan. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
0: Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer. Six twenty, CKRM. Yard and a half, and they're already going to their trademark play. Hurts, powers, touchdown, Philadelphia. Second and goal, three yards away. He still got it. Goes to the end
3: zone, and it's caught by AJ
0: Brown. Here's a second and five. Hurts, going for the end zone, right there
3: with the catch for the touchdown is Devontae Smith.
0: Hurts, looking
5: for his second option, pointing, planting, firing
3: to the end zone, and it is caught! Oh, what a play for the Eagles! Zaccheaus brings it in for the touchdown!
5: This would be a backbreaker for Buffalo fans, and this would be the pedigree of championship teams. Hurts. Hurts to the end zone, and the
3: Eagles have won it in
0: overtime.
1: Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles had his first five-touchdown game in the NFL. Three touchdown passes, two on the ground. One of them, of course, the brotherly love shove from one yard out, and the other one. You heard right there from Jim Nance and Tony Romo on CBS Sports as he took it in in overtime for the second straight game. The Philadelphia Eagles come back from 17-7 down at halftime in the driving rain to win. They're an NFL best 10-1. And for his efforts, Jalen Hurts is our clutch performer. For Nick's service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Cleaner and Fent dealer, give him a call, 781-1077.
0: Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. A
1: couple of Texas anonymously. I'll be a Ryder fan either way, but I really wanted Milanovic, and I'd pretty much give him anything, LOL. Um, Well, I'm not saying it's totally done, but I'm thinking he's probably third now, just from what I'm kind of gathering. But who knows? Things could change. And it's from Jeff. Jeff Gordon said, Ballsy, you were calling out Moss in 2022 just as much as the rest of us. I guess we should have been calling out O'Day as it was a personnel issue. Uh, Wrong, Jeff. Absolutely wrong. I did not call out Jason Moss at all. I may have said, hey, I don't agree with that play call, but I never called him out at all. Nope. I don't remember. Fake
6: news. I don't it. Fake remember. news.
1: I called out Cody for uh, throwing his team under the bus, saying he's not mentally tough enough at the end of the year. That's And I'll stand by that. But I didn't throw Jason Moss under the bus. So, no, Jeff, you, my friend, are totally wrong
0: with that. Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. First points of the day from Hauschka. Going to for the touchdown. Seattle back in it.
1: Welcome back to the Sports cage Talking to Regina Football Royalty, only Saskatchewan kid to win a Super Bowl, John Ryan. No, he's not talking about being the next coach of the Riders. Anybody reach out to you, by the way? Uh, A few friends. Nothing (laughs) nothing too serious. (laughs) Okay, so apparently I'm hearing it's... uh, I don't. I'm. I'm. My sources tell me it could be a two-horse race between Mace, Corey Mace, and Buck Pierce. So that'll be interesting. Two young guys. Uh, I,
8: I, that's what I like about it. You know, it's some uh, fresh blood. It's not just recycling old, uh, old coaches over and over again. So I like it.
1: All right. So John, uh, we played that clip coming in the Super Bowl or the touchdown pass in the NFC Championship game. How many times do you go back and watch that?
8: Uh, quite a few. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, Right after it happened, it was on the it was on TV a lot in Seattle. But uh, in the last few years, I, I, you know, it's on YouTube and all whatever, and I, I flip over it and watch it quite a bit.
1: Isn't that the best thing about YouTube? You can go back and watch all these old games. So is Sarah sick of watching that or what? i uh, she doesn't seem to be. unless she doesn't uh, let on, <laughs> or she's really really drunk and she doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, that's my right, uh Now, when you were doing that play. Did that, it looked like kind of like a Philip Rivers shot put pass. Uh, it was almost like you were too, you were scared to overthrow it. You didn't want to throw it too hard. What's running through your mind that that thing is slowly going to the, to the lineman.
8: Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is, is that, uh, it was a run first option. So when he goes to the left, <laughs> I'm running as hard as I can to the left. And then, uh, you know how it is when you run it to the left, as hard as you can and you have to flip the ball up. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> You know, as soon as AJ Hawk did on me, I knew that uh, Gary Gilliam would be wide open in the end zone. So uh, I just put it up there and just, uh, it felt like it was up there forever, but uh, it worked out.
1: What's it like, though? Like, you're in a, 65,000 people are watching you, the, the the 12s are there, but is it like you're alone in a room by yourself? Like, do you block out all the noise?
8: Oh, definitely. Yeah. That's definitely how it feels uh, in the moment. It, it, it seems like everything just goes quiet and then. Uh, the second it's over, everything just erupts. So it's uh, you know kind of like being seen the movies and everything just goes silent for, for a pitcher or a mm-hmm. uh, hitter or a quarterback, and then all of a sudden just everything erupts, and that's all it felt like.
1: John Ryan joining us here. So I watched Jake Elliott kick a 58-yard field goal on wet grass uh, in Philadelphia to send it to overtime. I I was on SoFi Field last year with my producer, Sean Kleisinger, and we were kicking field goals. I think the, the longest we could kick was um, 25 yards. Now, granted, I'm a 50-year-old guy trying to do it. I'm like, I pulled my quad. But I don't think people realize how hard it is to kick a field goal, especially a 58-yarder. Can you take us inside that?
8: Yeah, well, first of all, just kicking a fifty-eight yard field goal in September in uh, Philadelphia is tough, you know, just with, with the grass, with the conditions, but to do it uh, in a game time decision, or a game winning decision, a game tying decision like that, fifty-eight yards out in the you know, driving rain. Uh, before, even though he's one of the best kickers to do it, I was like, he's maybe one in a hundred chance hitting this field goal, I and mean, he, he drilled it. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot that goes into it, you know. It's uh, you gotta have a good snap. Uh, good hold. When I watch so many of these missed kicks, the, you know half the time it's the holder, but no one no one knows that. And uh, you know you have the snap, the hold, the kick, and that all happens in one point two five seconds, and you can't be too much over that, or it's going to get blocked. So everything happens uh, very quickly, and it has to happen in a very finely oiled machine.
1: So um, take me through that as the holder. Are you part counselor before the kicker? Do you stay away, or is it depend on the kicker? And 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 what are you thinking when you're getting ready to hold there?
8: Uh, it just it depends on the kicker. Most here, especially in a situation like that, they don't want to be talked to by anyone. You know, they have a, a pre-shot routine and uh, they like to go through it. And they kind of want everyone to stay out of their business. And not, you know, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, uh, you know, D linemen and O line are the biggest kicker fans. When something like that happens, they'll walk up and talk to them. As uh, a plenty of your job to just kind of uh, tell them to screw off, basically. You know, just let the kicker do his thing. We can uh, celebrate with him after he hits the kick. But uh, usually that, that's kind of the, the punter's job is to keep everyone away from the kicker and getting, uh, getting ready for that kick.
1: As a whole, take all the rules involved and, and, and maybe the weather conditions too. Is it harder to place kick and punt in the CFL or in the NFL?
8: Oh, man. It's, uh, I, I think in a way it's tough for the CFL. <clears throat> you know, you, just, you have a little bit less control. Uh, you know, the wide field. You can't force a fair catch when you're playing a good returner. Uh, you can't kick the ball out of bounds uh for you know uh 80 yards of the field now so it's, it's a little bit tougher uh it's a bit of a fool of Aaron trying to punt in the CFL uh but it is a lot more fun because you get a lot more opportunities to do it you can do a lot of different kicks and uh try to play keep away but uh you know with, with the fair catch rule uh and you know that makes it a little bit easier
1: to try to control some returners so I want to bring up this NFL stat see which one you find more remarkable <laughs> the one guy you don't like, but in his 23 year career, Tom Brady never took a snap where his team was mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Okay. Is that more impressive yep. or in his 17 year career, Larry Fitzgerald recorded more tackles than drop passes. <laughs>
8: um, I, I got to go with Tom Brady. I mean, that's a, uh, just an incredible, incredible stat. I mean, uh, you know, Fitzgerald's record's impressive, impressive, uh, a little bit, you know, weird. But uh, the thing is that something negative has to happen before something positive can happen in his situation. So uh, I really like what Tom Brady did. And I actually heard that stat for the first time uh, last week, and I was pretty blown away by it. See,
1: I'm, gonna, I'm going to – I don't disagree with you totally, but I, I actually think Brady's – I know he's playing the most important position, but Brady's involves a team. Check this out. In his 17-year career, Larry Fitzgerald, the great Arizona Cardinals receiver – uh, more tackles than drop passes. He had 29 drops on 2,335 targets, and only ha- and had 42 tackles. So he had 13 more tackles than drops. And it wasn't like he had 120 balls thrown to him. He almost had 2,400 balls thrown to him. That's crazy. It, it, it's a crazy
8: stat. He was a he was a freak. How good he was. It was it was always fun playing against him. Uh, he always had a lot of respect for his opponents. We always uh, noticed that. There's a lot of times in games where he could he'd lay guys out on you know on the opposite side when there was a pick and he didn't he chose not to do it. Uh it was just he was, he was always a class guy and what what makes that as impressive is if you look at the Kansas City Chiefs right now, I believe they have twenty nine drops through twelve yeah. games as a team and that's only twelve games. Uh you know, it's many many receivers but you just see how hard it is to go Seventeen years with twenty nine drops is just incredible.
1: Look at you, you analyst throwing in numbers. I love it. Speaking of the Chiefs, <laughs> speaking of the Chiefs, I don't see him winning a Super Bowl with an aging tight end and uh, a receiving core that couldn't catch a cold.
8: Oh man, you just made so many Swifties mad right now. They are throwing things at the radio right now. You are <laughs> you are anti Swiftie with those comments right now, Paul. Uh,
1: don't you agree
8: though? I, I do. You know I, they haven't been the team they have been the last few years. Uh, I haven't been super impressed with them. Uh, I look at teams now, like up and coming teams like Jacksonville, uh, Miami, teams like that. They're just, uh, I think, are better football teams.
1: I'll tell you what, man. The teams that play the least pretty football right now, but probably are on a crash course for the Super Bowl, the Baltimore Ravens and the Philadelphia Eagles.
8: Yeah, they've, uh I've, I've been really impressed with Philly. Been able to watch them the last few weeks, and they're just uh, they're playing good football. You know, they, they just get they just get the job done, like you saw. You know, you've just seen the last few weeks, and uh, it's not always pretty, you know, but they're uh, they're winning football games.
1: Okay, lastly, i got to pick on my Chargers again. Think about this, and I don't think it's Justin Herbert's fault, but Justin Herbert, you might pick five quarterbacks ahead of him. Like, that's how good he is. He's a generational talent. And when you think about it, he and the Chargers have as many wins as the Giants and their third-string quarterback, Danny DeVito. <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah
8: yeah i mean uh DeVito might be my favorite story of the week you know a little off topic of the Chargers, but Devito might have been my favorite story of the week i mean the guy's middle name might as well be marinara there's not more uh italian uh brooklyn type jersey boy yeah. than there's uh yeah. he is uh see him and his family win that game was pretty pretty cool but you yeah, know Chargers don't make much sense to me i mean they're just you know not playing good football they got such a great quarterback. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, looking at, uh, a new coaching staff after the season, if it, if it gets to that point even, because, uh, some of the things they're doing right now, I just don't agree with. Belichick coaching there next year? You know, I I have a hard time seeing Belichick go anywhere else. You know, I think that maybe I'm wrong, but I think if he leaves New England, he's going to, you know, hang him up. But, uh, you know, that might be an interesting fit.
1: What a great uh, story tonight. We've got Josh Dobbs. He couldn't even get his jersey at the Arizona Cardinals store. Like, he couldn't even get one made up. There wasn't one in the store, and it wasn't available to be made up. And now he comes over to Minnesota, and he's got them rolling after the injury to Cousins.
8: Yeah, it's been impressive to watch. I mean, he's played on, what, nine different NFL teams, and like four or five in the last 12 months. And. Uh, all he does is come out and win. You know, he's taking these teams that, you know, have no chance. You know, it was three weeks ago, he comes in he's, he comes in on a Wednesday, and he's the backup to the backup, and he ends up playing and ends up taking the team uh, to a win. And even last week, only losing by a point to uh, Denver, I believe. But uh, he's been a great story, a great guy to watch, and, you know, one of the stories of the NFL so far this year.
1: And it looks like your buddy Russell Wilson isn't cooked yet.
8: He's not cooked. You know, when I watched him the last five weeks, he's playing how Russell Wilson should be playing. You know, he, he went to uh, – Went to Denver because he wanted to be the guy that threw the ball over the park, passed for four or 500 yards, and that's just not Russell. You saw what happened last year when he tried to do that, and it, it was ugly. Right now, he's just winning football games, and it's not pretty. It's, it's just classic. Uh, you know, when what, what I sat there and watched for eight years with him on the Seahawks, when I was there. You know, he's going to go 12 for 21 with 134 passing yards and 40 rushing yards. You know, he's not going to pass for 300, but he's going to win. He's going to manage the game. And he's going to put your team in a position to win, and that's what he's been doing.
1: Well, he's got to look at uh, your old tape of throwing the touchdown pass. He'll be fine.
8: That's right. Just uh, look at that, rush. He'll be, he'll be great.
1: <laughs> Thanks for your time, John.
8: All right, boys Thank you.
2: Four thirty-six with the Sports Ticker, about to be joined by Chris Chelios on the Western Pizza Hotline here after our sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right, just give them a call at seven eight one twenty ninety. Getting set for Monday night football tonight. It's the three and eight Chicago Bears in Minnesota to take on the six and five Minnesota Vikings. Seven fifth seven fifteen PM. Opening kickoff.
0: The sports cage is your voice for football, not only in the province but around Canada. This is the sports cage CFL report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game.
1: Well, of course, every May we have the CFL draft. And Nick Weeb, former Oregon Duck who played with the UBS Husky, suffered a major injury during the Hardy Cup playoffs. Uh, He tore his ACL in his knee in a 40-17 loss to the U of 8-foot field Saturday, November 4th. He's the best Canadian university linebacker eligible for the upcoming draft. The medical team working with him believes a midseason return could be possible. That's your CFL report.
0: We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM.
1: Here with hockey hall of famer, Stanley Cup champion Chris Chelios. It's a pleasure to talk to you, Chris. Uh, hey, I miss you on ESPN. How did you find your uh, broadcasting days?
9: Uh, you know, I enjoyed it working with Messier and Steve Levy, who I've known for a long time, um, Butch Grass and those guys. Uh, that was a great experience, um, and a uh, little disappointed it didn't work out this year. But you know, they're going through some cuts and. And uh, it's just life, but uh, yeah, it was it was fun, you know, getting back into hockey. You know, watching a lot of hockey, covering the finals. So I really enjoyed the experience. Was it tough being
1: critical of players, being that you were one for so long?
9: Yeah, you know, I built a reputation as a, <laughs> a pretty good team guy and, and got a lot of respect throughout the league over the years. And that was the toughest part. But we really didn't really didn't have to be. Um, you know, I, I think it's one thing if a guy makes a mistake during the game, you know, I've been there and done that. So, you, you know, it is your job as an analyst to, to, you know, get into that a little bit, but you can't let it get personal. You can't, you know, you know, you know, target guys that you don't like, or, or you know, and that, like I said, I think that that's not what they wanted from me and, and Messier. That's more for the, you know, the guys that are carrying us like Levy, Bouchergras and, and other guys that have been there. Um, so again, like I think, I think the guys understand, but I, I, like you mentioned, it was tough. That part of the the, the job was pretty tough.
1: I uh, I enjoy your daughter's work, uh, Kaylee Chelios. With was with Tampa, now with Chicago. You've worked with her a couple of times. That might have that must have been a treat.
9: Yeah, we got a little bit of chemistry. We're a lot alike, <laughs> but she's you know slowly made a name for herself and, and worked hard. That's for sure. You know whether you know over the five years of college she put in, for, you know, in journalism, and then. You know, getting her break with Tampa, which was at that time of the powerhouse, of, you know, winning two cups, getting all the exposure. You know, with with their team, so she's really enjoying it. And then, you know, she decided to get married, have kids, move back to Chicago, and the Blackhawks were nice enough to to put her on board and. She's really having a great time with it, and like I said, I, you know, it's nice to walk around town or you know walk around the league and the ranks, and and and, and, and they always commenting how you know how they enjoy listening to Kaylee and watching Kaylee on the telecast.
1: Chris Chelios joining us here. How does a good looking young Greek god go from the beaches of San Diego to Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan?
9: Well, just right place at the right time is what I met. A kid on the beach, Bobby Parker, who was from Moose Jaw, played Moose Jaw. Uh, ended up being my partner for two years. Um, it was just as simple as running into a guy on the beach, giving him my phone number to the coach uh, Larry Billows in Moose Jaw at the time, and flying me up. And from that, that was really where everything turned around for me. When you know I went to Moose Jaw but the year before that, you had know, been cut from three, four teams up in Canada, and then. You know, prior to that, I was just in San Diego surfing and having a good time. And, you know, I just assumed I got like from Chicago and no one made it from Chicago back in the day. So I really didn't have any expectations uh, that I, there's no disappointment when I was finished at 15, 16, and I just got really lucky that I met Bobby.
1: How did Chris Chelios learn how to persevere through, you know, some of the downs to get to the ups, to the greatness that you did ultimately achieve?
9: Well, like I just mentioned, I didn't grow up dreaming to be a hockey, professional hockey player. I just played because I loved it just as much as baseball or any other sport, um, So, like I said, I I think even if I hadn't have made it, I'd have still been playing the beer and pizza leagues and and enjoying that too with all my buddies. But um, I think that was the biggest thing. I had, you know, short memory. And uh, when I did face adversity, I could put it behind me. And then then when I got the opportunity, you know, I tried to make the best of it. But, you know, I had lots of friends from, you know, coaches and teammates. And um, like I said, it it sounds simple, but everything just kind of worked out. You know, when things were going terribly prior to the two years I went to to Moose Jaw, you know, I just took it all in stride. And uh, fortunately, I kept working out. You know, surfing was a great workout. Mountain biking, I always enjoyed running. So... Uh, when my, my time came in Moosha, I was in you know, good enough shape to pull it off.
1: You know, speaking of shape, that was always a staple. You've always been in great shape. You played till you were 48. I would I would say maybe you agree, disagree, a bit of a pioneer in that type. Of, we hear about Tom Brady and all these guys trying to stay around longer. You were kind of a pioneer in that. Would you agree?
9: Yeah. Um, there's no question that I was ahead of the curve, especially, you know, when I compare myself to guys. You know, in the '80s, you know, guys like Bob Ganey, Guy Lafleur, but, you know, when I broke into the league, they were in tremendous shape for that era. You know, but it was just, you know, the training, the the, the facilities. The, you know, it's just evolution. So I, I I just happened to run into a guy in the gym and out in California, and Alan May was training with him. The guy mm-hmm. played for Washington. Mm-hmm. Now he's an analyst, um, and it just seemed like what they were doing was more, you know it was directed more towards hockey and my trainer that I ended up having for the you know, over 20 years, T.R. Goodman. Um, I walked over and asked if I could train with him the next day and I fell in love with it. It was basically circuit training, somewhat like a boxing type of training. And, um, but you know, again, uh, exercises that were geared towards hockey players and hockey. So I, I believe everybody finally caught up when my trainer started training a lot of people, but, there's no question that, you know, I was ahead of the curve. Chris Chelios
1: joining us here for a couple more minutes. Hey, you went to the Olympics. U.S. wanted an 80. You went in 1984, Sarajevo. And then you went again here, 2002, Salt Lake City. Which uh, Olympics more memorable for you?
9: Well, I think being on your home in in, in the United States, Salt Lake, I, I'd still say for as far as international hockey, even, you know, compared to NHL, that was some of the greatest games You know, I've ever been involved with with the greatest players in the game. You know, Mario was, you know, doing his thing. And you had the Russian guys better off. And it was just, you know, it it, it, it couldn't have went any better that, you know, Canada-US ended up in the final. Uh, Unfortunately, we ended up on the short end of the stick. But it was was great hockey. So as far as that, you know, international, that would, you know, that's probably number two. Uh, World Cup because I've never beaten Canada uh, in the big games, so the World Cup in '96 definitely was a, a big factor, in you know U.S. hockey, and and then as was the '80 team that kind of paved the way for us. You know the guys like Madonna, Kachuk, Ronick uh, the Leach, uh, and Richter. So, uh, but '96 World Cup was definitely the highlight. Uh, you know after the Olympics like you mentioned.
1: The best on best tournament like you just mentioned or the Olympics. It's time for the NHL to get back to that I think. Would you like to see kind of a Canada Cup, World Cup thing again?
9: The fans enjoy it and it's always a lot better when it's in North America as far as you know the, the, the you know the attendance and especially in Canada you don't have to sell the game in Canada obviously but I think the, the fans enjoy it. Uh, you, you got the greatest players in the world and it, it's you can't have Olympics every year, but it seems like you should be able to do a World Cup. And I don't think the guys, at least I didn't mind coming in, you know, a month early to get this tournament before the season starts. It's, it's, it's really exciting. And, and, and you look at the World Junior Tournaments, what that's become, how popular, especially in Canada and the U.S., um, and like I said, whenever you get a chance to put the greatest players you know in the world together and compete against each other, I think it's a big plus for hockey.
1: Hey, uh, do you think, I'm an Oilers fan, it was cup or bust coming into this year, do you think they can make the playoffs? They usually say you got to be around it by American Thanksgiving to, to get in, generally. The Oilers aren't. Do you think with two of the top five players in the world, they can find their way back in? I
9: bet the house that they will find their way back in the playoffs. That's one of the, you know, you couldn't have you couldn't see this coming, the start they had, you know, mixed it up. They had to do something. Unfortunately, Jay got fired, the coach, and now Paul Coffey's on the bench, which is good for Coffey's finally uh, got an opportunity. Um, But yeah, like you mentioned, with those two guys alone carrying a team, you know, just to get in the playoffs, yes, but again, to take that next step and, uh, I mean, they lost to Vegas, the, the Stanley Cup champions, so there's nothing. They, they, those two guys, Dreisaitl and and McDavid, they're, they're unbelievable to watch. It would be a shame that if they weren't in the playoffs. Chris Chelios,
1: besides those two guys we just talked about, who else do you like watching? Like, as a defenseman, do you like K.O. McCarr, Quinn Hughes? Who do you like watching in the NHL?
9: All of them, but the first guy you mentioned, McCarr, he he's just a real special player and I love watching that Colorado team. His partner Tays, you know, he's not as offensive or flashy, uh, but he does everything right. Somewhat like a Nick Lidstrom type player uh, in, in Tays. So that's a, for me. That's the greatest one-two combination. Then Charlie McAvoy over in Boston. Mm-hmm. He's another guy that's fun to watch. These the, this younger generation defenseman and Hughes, a really skilled player. You know, Vancouver's off to a good start, so he's. He, he has a big role in that too. Chris Chelios,
1: Jacob Truba got a $5,000 fine for taking off a of Frederick's head with a, like, it looked like he was chopping down a tree, hit him in the side of the head.
9: The Truba thing. I've seen him going back to the college days, and he is what he is. He's rough. He, you know, he plays on the edge. Uh, I, I take him on my team anytime. He, he plays right on that line, mm-hmm. and, you know, and he can back it. He, you know, he's not afraid to, you know, to drop the gloves every once in a while.
1: Somehow I'm not shocked. Chris Chelios, you'd be okay with a guy on the edge. Uh, We'll be back in a moment with more with Chris Chelios on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
0: The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
1: Got another great text rolling in here, and we'll get to Chris Chelios in a second. This is an anonymous texter. Leave your name so I can address you. All you talk about is football and hockey. You never even mentioned anything about the Agribition Rodeo. Well, last week I had Ariana Dick on the Rodeo Queen, Queen of the Rodeo Agribition. Miss, what is it? Miss Miss Rodeo. Miss Rodeo Agribition. We had uh, Marty on from the Rodeo, the guy who's running the Rodeo. What do you want from me? I don't. I'm not a big rodeo guy. I'm not against it. I didn't go to any of it. Couldn't get a ticket. They didn't give me a media pass. What do you want? What do you want from me? I'm not going to lie to you, too. I didn't grow up on a farm. I love the those rodeo guys, great athletes and women. They're nuts, but they're great. They're calf roping, all that stuff, man. Very skilled. But I grew up, I grew up watching guys like number 24, Chris Chilios. You are a very you know accomplished hockey player, probably the greatest American hockey player that's ever played. You played for three original six teams. Which one do you identify with more, Montreal, Chicago, or, of course, the Detroit Red Wings?
9: I wouldn't say I identify more with either one of them, but for sure, you know breaking it with Montreal, the, the history and the tradition of that you know, organization, that was real special. I, I think I was lucky to, to come... To, to come into the league as a young player and, and learn from the best players like Bob Ganey, Larry Robinson, Gila Fleur, uh, they're just great leaders and you could do, you know, and Jacques Lemaire was my coach. You, you can't do anything but listen uh, to them because of the success they had. And then I think it, it, out of the three teams, you know, not that I'd like either, but being able to play for your hometown, uh, coming back to Chicago, that was, that was really special. Those eight years I spent in Chicago um, not better than either other team, but special that I went back home and, you know, everybody that I started playing, my coaches, my teammates, my friends, my family, we were all here. So there's not a whole lot of guys, you know, that get that opportunity, especially in the U S uh, to play for their home team. And that was, you know, and then you can't say enough about Detroit mm-hmm. no playing 10 more years after I thought I was done in Chicago and winning two cups. That was again, um, not neither one better than the other, but just like I said, playing for your hometown, that was really special.
1: Chris, more of a pressure cooker, playing in Montreal, where they were coming off kind of a lackluster stretch when you went there and won the Stanley Cup, maybe unexpectedly in 1986, or going into a Hall of Fame locker room like Detroit, and when everybody thought, hey, these guys, it's a no-brainer, they got to win the Cup.
9: Yeah, well, no question, we were, I think we were fighting, my, when I got came after Olympics to Montreal, we were fighting to get a playoff spot. Um, I wasn't playing very well at all. And all of a sudden, we, we played Boston first round, and we upset them. And then, you know, we ended up going to the semis against the Islanders. And that's the first year that Edmonton, you know, won their Stanley Cup. But uh, different, for sure, different feeling. When I got to Detroit, you know, at, at 40, years, 40 years old, uh you know very you know, calm uh I fit into that room uh, with all those veterans and great players and uh real comfortable and I didn't have to carry the load anymore at that age it was just it was a great fit for me, so I, I felt really comfortable w- in the Detroit situation, whereas you know as a rookie you're nervous and you, know, you have a tendency to do you know, make rookie mistakes, and that's you know not that really didn't play the the, the position great. Uh, in Montreal, whereas I transformed my game and learned how to play uh, defensively, uh, and 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 that's all I, I was really relied on in Detroit. Uh, Once Scotty left,
1: two more quick questions for you. We talked about that Detroit locker room, and I, uh, you know, we're referencing Edmonton, Cupper, Boston. They are they got a high uh, bar for themselves, but you guys in that locker room, you, you you almost stumbled against Vancouver. People might forget that.
9: Yeah, yeah, we dropped our first two games at home, got booed off the ice. They are booing Dominic Hasek. Um, You know, we go into Vancouver. Iserman comes up with this speech that you know, you know, we're going to win this series. And, you know, you, you know, we, we believed we could win it. But being down 2-0, we didn't kid ourselves either. We knew we'd lose that third game. We're pretty much done. And then I think it was Lidstrom took that shot from the neutral zone mm-hmm. and, and got by, a, who was it, or, yeah. Uh, yeah, Who was a goalie back then? Yeah. Anyway, we looked at the interview after and asked him if it was going to affect him next game. And you could just see in his eyes, the guy was rattled. And from that point on... We just took over and, you know, ended up winning the Stanley Cup.
1: Lastly, uh, how do you feel when a guy like me says you're the best American player ever uh, to play this game of hockey? And think about where you came to those kind of accolades, being a Hockey Hall of Fame and that type of thing.
9: Well, I guess the way I look at it, some people ask you who the greatest player you, you ever played against was. And, you know... I, I just think it's different. Like, I'm different than Brian Leach. I'm different than Phil Housley. I'm just mentioning other, you know, American mm-hmm. defensemen. You know, and it comes between, you know, it's just, they're all great players. There's just different, different styles, different teams, you know, the, their teammates. So, it, it's just situation. So, I was fortunate enough that, you know, first of all, I played, in, you know, in front of four Hall of Fame goaltenders, you know, Belfort, Hasek, Osgood should be, as far as I'm concerned, yep. be in the Hall of Fame. He's got over 400 wins. So I was fortunate enough that I was on some really good teams with some great players and great goaltending, and that had a lot to do with it. But my longevity, for sure, puts me, you know, in that category. You know, getting inducted to the Hall of Fame. Um, But I I would never say that I was a great... There's been so many great American players. It's just, you know, it's different. You're a different player.
1: Well, I would say you are. Growing up, I loved uh, loved coffee, Canadian, obviously. I like Leach, and I love Chris Chelios, even though I wasn't a big Habs fan. Your son Jake got married and Drake was at the wedding?
9: Well, I'll tell you exactly how it happened. Ty Domi is a really good friend of Drake's, and I know Drake's from Toronto. I believe he's from Toronto anyway. Yeah and he just happened to be in Chicago performing, and Ty wanted to go say hi to him before we went to the the night before the wedding party that we were throwing, and, um, you know, Ty, we just got, met him, and I said, we have to leave, sorry, it's nice meeting you, and he said, well, where are you going? I said, well, I said, my son's having a party tonight, and he goes, well, where is it? I said, that's only five minutes away, so we jumped in his, you know, his escalated with him, and we drove a hundred miles an hour through the city with all these cops, you know, like a, a motorcade. And he ended up with my son, surprised him, tapped him on the shoulder. He hung out for about an hour until he had to jump on the bus to the next show. But it was, it was great. He's a nice guy. You know, I can't honestly say I know his music, but uh, it was exciting for the young kids and Jake and his friends to to run into Jake. It was, it was, it was <laughs> but again, that, that's Ty Domi and he knows everybody. And there's, it was a fun
1: night. From Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan to hockey immortality, it's a great Chris Chelios. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule. I appreciate it.
9: You bet. Thank you.
1: Oh, it's always great catching up with those guys. Tomorrow we've got Matthew Barnaby on the show and another great American hockey player, Jeremy Roenick. If you were looking at the top five American hockey players of all time, Chelios, Roenick, Madano. Phil Housley in there. Brett Hall. Brett Hall's in there. He's American Canadian. That's that John LeClaire's up there. Mm. There's some really good American hockey players Brian for sure. Leach. Brian Leach. Brian Yeah, absolutely. But JRB right there. He's on the show tomorrow. Matthew Barnaby. Uh, we got a, another hour of this show, though, coming up after the 5 o'clock news here on 620 CKRM.
0: Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Sports Cage shareholders,
2: this is what you need to know.
1: Thanks, Zinger, NHL tonight. Sabres at the Rangers, Panthers at the Sands, Golden Knights visit Calgary, Sharks entertain the Capitals. abs home to the Lightning and the Blue Jackets opening their doors to the Boston Bruins, hoping to not get their doors blown off by the much better Bruins team. Minnesota Wilder in a big-time tailspin. Bob Woods, their assistant coach, and Dean Evison, their head coach, have been fired. They've lost seven in a row. Carolina. Panthers have one win. Frank Reich, fired by the Indianapolis Colts, hired there this spring. Take over our team. Help the young guy out, Bryce Young. First overall pick, quarterback. They've got one win. He didn't last the season. He's been as uh, Donald Trump would say, you're fired. Anywhere. Vince McMahon. That's Vince
2: McMahon. Yeah. You're fired. <laughs> Randy Orton? Yeah. You're, you're fired.
1: How about CM Punk coming back?
2: Yeah, that was a big survivor yeah, series. Man, Randy Orton is. came back. Yeah, CM, CM Punk came, came back. back. Yep.
1: Um and we'll tell you this Monday night football tonight. No Justin Jefferson receiver for the Vikings. He's taking uh some more time to heal up that hamstring injury. It's going to be the Vikings hosting the Bears. We'll have the voice of the Vikings, one of the greats, Paul Allen, joining us on Thursday. But let us head out on the Western Pizza Hotline right now and say hi to Daryl. Daryl wants to talk about our recently aired interview with Chris Chelios. Go ahead, Daryl.
10: Hi, guys. Uh, good show. You and Mike work well together. Oh, thanks. It, it reminds me a little bit of Johnny Carson and Ed McMahon. <laughs>
1: Well, I appreciate that. If we could last as long as uh, Johnny and Ed, we'd be happy with that, Daryl. Uh, yeah. It's l- a
10: good strategy, and, yeah. and the people like it. The thanks, th- thanks, man. What would you think of Chelios? Well, he's just absolutely great. I, I remember; I'll always remember him as a hab, as Montreal Canadiens player. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, he was great with Montreal, and what a career! I can't believe he played till forty eight.
1: Yeah, 48 wow. years old. He was a pioneer of fitness and staying in it long before Tom Brady. Uh, played mm-hmm. for the 1984 U.S. team at the Sarajevo Olympics. Then uh, played for them in the 2002 Olympics and lost to Canada, of course, in Salt Lake City when Bob Cola, that famous call, Joe Uh He did it much better than me. But, yeah, no, and, of course, played for three original six teams, which is kind of cool.
10: Yes. And one other, I I, I, was, I thought about Brian Engblom. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think he's an American, is he not?
1: Yeah, he's an American player. There was Bobby Smith was an American player. Oh, yeah.
10: uh, there, there's been
1: a lot of great... But if I had to think about the top five American players of all time, I'm serious. You'd, I'd probably go Chris Chelios, one. I'd probably go Mike Medano, two. I'd probably go Jeremy Roenick, three, just off the top of my head. Brian Leach, four and uh, Mike Richter, five, the goaltender for the uh, New York Islanders who won the Stanley Cup. That's just a, off the top of my head in my lifetime. There has been other great American players, but I'd uh, we're going to have Mike Richter on the show this week too. So we've got a lot of great hockey guys lined up.
10: One one thing that Brian Inglom, Inglom brought up was uh, I he talked about the Montreal defense when they had their run. They got into the Stanley Cup final. Mm-hmm. But he said that they were so, you know, so strong, so fierce. Uh, you know, he said that players didn't really want to go into that area, which is an interesting comment. Like, I mean, they, if you, you would pay the price if you went into the four mm-hmm. or five uh, starters that Montreal had at that time. Oh,
1: Montreal a juggernaut. No, I, I take it you're a Habs fan.
10: Uh, <laughs> I guess it's coming out. Yeah.
1: Who's your top three Habs of all time? Give me your top three, Daryl, Habs of all time.
10: Oh, God. Ah, uh, that's a tough one, but uh, certainly Guy Lafleur. Yep. Uh, Larry Robinson, for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, gosh, can't think of anyone else. Patrick Waugh? For sure. And I remembered, I was watching the game live when he more or less quit the team because he left in goal for 11 goals and all that. And he walked right up the cement floor to the owner.
1: Yeah, yeah, he walked right past Mario Tremblay said, I'm done, or whatever he said in French. Uh, I would, Kerry Price has got to be on there. Sad. He never won a Stanley Cup with the Habs. I love Kerry yes. Price. Uh, oh, there's so many great Montreal Canadiens. I'm not a huge Habs fan, but if you had to ask me Habs or Leafs, I go Habs every day of the week.
10: Well, I'm, I'm uh, actually going to be 75 soon. But anyway, wow. the, the, but the Montreal, you know, when it was the Richards and Cornoyer and all those great defensemen. Uh, whatever, and you know, whatever. Anyway, uh, yes, I am. It's coming out, and that—that's a nice segue leading into the Habs fan, John.
1: Oh yeah, John's a John's a big time Habs fan too. He actually called us off the air. He's always got a thing or two to say. Anyway, we got to go, Daryl. Thanks for listening to the show. We appreciate it.
10: Yeah, thanks a lot, guys.
1: All right, we have another. One. Oh, we got another call. Yeah. Okay, let's go to the phones. Oh, they hung up.
0: Don't be scared. Call back. Don't be scared. We're going to take
1: a break and be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment on 620
0: CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. Michael Ball, Sean Kleisinger here. Let's head out in the
1: Western Pizza hotline. Got Brian on the phone. Go ahead, Brian. Yes,
6: Ballsy. Brian. Yes. Do you always like to hear people that want to uh, vent on your radio station?
1: I'm sure, as long as it's respectful.
6: As long as it's respectful. Go ahead, Brian. Yes. All you do is talk about uh, the NFL, CFL, and hockey. Mm -hmm. You never mentioned anything about the Agribition rodeo or anything that goes on in Saskatchewan as far as people that pay for their um, fees to get into an event or anything like that. I wanted your comment on that.
1: Brian, I was at the agribition. What are you talking about?
6: Did was there anything on the radio about that?
1: Brian, I was at the agribition for three straight days, and the other two, I and the other, just hold on, just hold on. If you're gonna, if you're gonna accuse me of something, I was at the agribition for three straight days. I had Marty, who was the rodeo director, on. I asked for cowboys to come on; they couldn't come on; they were too busy. I had the rodeo Miss Rodeo Agribition from White City, Ariana Dick. I What What do you want from me? I, I I promoted aggravation. Come on, man. You don't show any results. Well, well, well results? I don't do results. No, I don't do results.
6: Nobody you does. You do results all the football games and hockey games and all that. You're That's all you're into is football and hockey.
1: Well, our business is predicated on ratings, and ratings – draw or uh, dictate what I talk about. The football, the CFL football, well, first of all, the NFL football is the biggest sport in North America, okay? So there's nothing more popular than NFL football, Obviously, I talk about that. CFL football is the most popular thing around here. You could talk Rough Riders from morning to night, January to the end of December. So I talk that. Uh, I talk NHL hockey because hockey, along with lacrosse, is our national sport. I talk junior hockey. And yeah, I do talk rodeo when it permits, once a week when it comes here. I don't have, and in the morning, I only have two minutes for sports. So I don't have time to read all the aggravation results. I don't.
6: You don't have anything about any of the. The uh, amateur rodeos are nothing on there. You have amateur hockey and stuff like that on there. Mm. And we have NFL football that's played on TV. And a lot of people aren't interested in that that's on CTV.
1: Okay. Well, I'll, you know?
6: I'll look at it and see.
1: Well, Brian, Brian, help me out. Where would I get these results? If I'm to get these results, where would I get these results, Brian?
6: You've got to get a hold of all the, all them people.
1: Well, who are all them people? Like
6: I have no idea. It's been too long since I've been out of it. Okay. Are, are, you a for, office, are you a former... Hey, Brian. Office.
1: Brian, are you a former I, rodeo guy? Yes, I am. What events were you in? Team roping. Oh, cool. Tell us, how hard is it to be a team roper? What's the key to being a good team roper?
6: Lots of practice.
1: Yeah, but what's the key? Pract- I could practice football and still suck at it. What's the key about being a good team roper?
6: Lots of practice.
1: Okay, good. Well, that was my look at Brian. I just did an interview. How long were you in the? How long were you in rodeo for, Brian?
6: About ten years.
1: And why'd you get out?
6: My age.
1: Yeah, like
6: yeah. H- How how
1: old? Like how long? How old? You know, how old is too old in rodeo? Like when do you generally need to get out by?
6: Well, when your horses start dying off and <laughs> and you start hitting sixty years old, yeah, it's time to get out.
1: I would say so. I would say uh, <laughs> when your when your horses are older than you, it's time to get out, right, Brian? That's right. All right, man. Thanks for the call. Yep. By the way, we just did a rodeo interview here. See, I just did a rodeo interview. Look at that, folks! Another satisfied customer. <laughs> I try to cater to as many people as I can. Like, honest to gosh. Okay, wait a minute. Let's, let's go through the docket here. Since we're, since we're here, let's go through the docket here. Because we just actually had a strategic planning meeting a little bit here today behind the scenes. Um, we talk NFL. We talk junior football. We talk U sports football, which we're going to get to actually um, the U sports president. Talking about the Vanier Cup coming here in 2025. We talk rodeo. We do our best to talk rodeo. We talk curling. I do coach of the week. I have the Cougars in the cage talking U of our Cougar athletics. I do the indigenous sports spotlight. We have Blue Jays report. We have Red Sox report. I have Regina Pat's report. We do Russian Rattlers. Uh, We even have senior hockey report on Friday. What am I? (laughs) Gee. Okay, let's go to the phones again. Okay, what did I miss? Pickleball? Go ahead. Who's this? Hi, who is this? Hello? Hello? Hi, who who's this? Oh, okay. I wasn't sure you are talking to me. Yeah, this so- is Bill. Hi, Bill. What can
10: I do for you, bud?
6: Uh, well, you're uh, talking about people phoning
10: in, and I was just going to tell you that uh, there's only two teams in hockey. That's the Montreal Canadiens and those who wish they were.
1: Oh, there's a good one, Bill. Sean Kleisinger, my friend, Zinger's a big Habs fan. That's good. So, Bill... Uh, if you don't mind me asking you, I'll tell you, my age, I'm 51. How old are you, Bill? I just turned 70 on Saturday. Congratulations. Happy birthday. Every day above ground's a well, good thank day. Thank you. So, Bill, give me your top three, les habitants. Who are your top three Canadians of all time?
10: Uh, of course, Jean Belleville.
1: Mm-hmm. The gentleman.
10: Uh, Guy Lafleur. Yep. And Carey Price. Well,
1: that's a good one. Even ahead of Patrick Waugh.
10: Uh, Yes. Are you, are you mad how Patrick Wall? The, only thing, are, are, the are, only thing that cheeses me off is the way the Canadians treated uh, the Carey Price. He should have had at least two, at least two Stanley Cup rings. Yeah, it's tough. He got nothing. That's right. tough, man. Hey, Bill. I, we... I think they treated him very, very poorly.
1: Well, Bill, we thank you for treating us very nice and listening to the show and call, uh, calling in. Call in any time. We got a roll. Take care, bro. You too. Take care. We'll take a break and be back with more of the sports cage in a moment on six twenty CKRM. <laughs> All right, it's 5:27 with your sports
2: ticker for Busy Bee Overhead, and we are getting set for some Monday night football tonight. It's the Chicago Bears in Minneapolis to take on the Minnesota Vikings. The Bears are sitting at 3 and 8 so far this season. The Minnesota Vikings, they are at 6 and 5, and they are nestled in, into one of those wild card spots in the NFC. Kickoff tonight at 7:15 p.m. <laughs>
0: Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats, from your official voice of the Regina Pats, 620 CKRM.
1: Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Get the best flock and chicken wing special in town with 69-cent wings all day, every Wednesday and Sunday with a feature wing flavor of the month. Every month teddy bear toss on Saturday. That's the big thing to talk about as uh, they'll play, play the Swift Current Broncos in the first goal. You throw your teddies on the ice and bring some nice teddies, okay? Not the worn-out ones from 1986 and they'll take those to children in need. By the way, the Pats have acquired 2006 worn goaltender Madden Malacca from the Prince George Cougars for 7th round pick in 2026 via Saskatoon.
0: And that, my friends, is your Pat Chat. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Roughriders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Phones are cooking. Daryl loved our, uh... Darryl loved our
1: um, show. Call us Johnny Carson and Ed McMahon. He's a seventy-five year old. Seventy-five year old, so he kind of aged himself there. But I get that. And then uh, we had uh, was it Brian that called in? Brian doesn't like our rodeo talk. And then we had Bill call in. Habs fan. All this coming off of the Ke- uh, Chris Chelios interview. Got some more phone calls. By the way, tomorrow we've got J.R., Jeremy Ronick on the show, and Matthew Barnaby. So you want hockey, you get it right here. We're not just a football station, but we will talk football. Ben Grant, and we'll be one day close. Ben Grant from the Toronto Argonauts, by the way, radio crew. He'll talk about Corey Mason, why he'd be a great head coach, among other things. And we will talk some CFL free agency tomorrow, and we will... Uh, be one step closer probably to getting a Rough Rider head coach in place. Let's head to the phone lines. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza hotline. Take a slice out of your fall cooking schedule. Let Western Pizza cook tonight. Uh, Chili Willie on the phone. Let's go to Chili Willie. Hi, Chili. Hey, Ballsey. How's it going, brother? Good, man. What's up? What, what did I miss? Pickleball, badminton. What I miss? What?
3: <laughs> How about uh, mud wrestling? Oh, jello wrestling. Love me some of that. But uh, anyway... Hey. Uh, what? By the way, all my horses are dead and the goats are tired, okay? So <laughs> <laughs>
6: uh, Hey,
3: listen, three yeah. quick points I want to throw at you here. I didn't get a chance to call last week, but we missed the hell out of you while you were gone on your leave for three weeks. Yeah. I was getting nervous thinking that you were doing old uh uh Derek Taylor and you were relocating to Toronto or something like that to do the radio show there. But thank you for coming back. Didn't realize
1: Wait how much a minute, wait a minute, years. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just wait a minute. Just yeah. wait a yeah. minute. Go ahead. You got some soap around there? (laughs) No, wait, wait, wait. wait. Don't you ever compare me to Derek Taylor. Don't ever compare me to that guy. Okay? Ever. I love it. Ever. A guy guy that sat here and laughed that he was the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on a Saskatchewan radio station. I don't want (laughs) to ever be compared
3: to that guy. Well, that's what I was scared of. I was afraid. I was like, no, he... Baltic, there's no way he could be a turncoat. He's a Regina born and bred from no. the Regina Ram. There's no way. They could there's pay no me double to be the voice of the Bombers, and I'd never do it. You, amen,
1: that's right here. On, brother, that's amen. right here on the airwaves. Right here on the airwaves, you save that clip. CJOB hey. calls me tomorrow. They could pay me double and give me a gray cup ring
3: every time they win it, which won't ever be again, and I would never, ever, ever go there. No, I wasn't worried about there. I thought you were going to go maybe to go for the Argos out with Dinwiddie and his crew. I oh, thought you were going big no, time. No, no, big time.
1: Big hey, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Just wait a minute, uh, Chili <laughs> Willie. Chili Willie, big time is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the CFL. Yeah, we're on some hard times right now. Yeah, we haven't won a Labor Day game or a game after Labor Day in fourteen. <laughs> well, this is still a big time. I'm the. I'm like the. I'm the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders which is the equivalent of being the voice of. The Green Bay Packers. I ain't going anywhere at least until they kick me out. But anyway, it could happen tomorrow. Who knows in this wacky industry? What else you got, Chili Willy? Point number 2.
3: Okay, point number 2 is kudos to my man Cody Fajardo for his Great Cup win. I wasn't able to call in last week, but it shows just everybody out there, all the kids, even good guys do sometimes end up with the ring and finish first.
1: Hey, I can't say anything bad about him. He won a championship and uh he uh he he came through a lot of adversity and for that I do uh tip my football helmet to him. Good job for him. Can't 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 argue with that. What else you got, bro?
3: Third and final one. The big one here. I'm born and raised here in Regina fifty three years. I've been following the Riders at least thirty uh seasons as a season ticket holder. The other twenty seven was because I was out of the country, but Nancy Ambrosie, the best thing she's ever done, being the leader of the CFL or voice or face of, is when he announced, or she, uh, that George Reed, his name, would be honored with the MVP or Most Outstanding Player Award. It brought a tear to my eye, and I got choked up. That is the best thing that's ever happened in the CFL in at least the last 25 years, Kudos to Mister Randy Ambrosi for
1: that one, bro. Rackham, good call, Chili Willie. We'll talk to you later. We got to roll along. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.
3: Keep stirring the pot, balls. don't ever compare. Right don't ever compare me to that again. Ever again. You hear me? I hear you. And I love the San Diego Chargers just as much yeah. as you do. San know, Diego
1: bro. Chargers of Los Angeles. That's right. Thanks, man. Take Thanks. care. Take care. We got anybody else? John, John, the Habs fan. John, go ahead, man.
5: Hey yeah, it was nice to hear Daryl and Bill. Yep. On there. Yeah, And uh loved the Kelly O's interview.
1: Thanks, man. I don't
5: I disagree with Bill, though, and Kerry Price. The Habs didn't treat him uh rough. He would have won the Stanley Cup if Chris Kreider didn't crash into him that year. That that wrecked
6: his career. He yeah. was never the same after that.
1: Yeah, and he was having some problems off the ice, as we would later find out. But uh, Carey Price a great guy, man. I uh, And for what he did for the indigenous community, too, it's awesome. Yeah, I love him. He's one of my best. Favorite. Uh, I, I I didn't like Patrick Waugh, but I respected his talent. He's a top three Hab of all time.
6: Well,
5: uh, in the forwards, it's uh, Richard, and Lafleur, Robinson, Chris Chelios as one of those defensemen, and and, uh, Guy Lapointe, and Patrick Waugh, Ken Dryden, and Carey Price are the top three goalies in Hab history.
1: John, thanks for the call. I appreciate you listening. We've talked way too much Habs now. (laughs) Way too much Habs, but still better than the Leafs. All right. uh, With that in mind, Zinger, let's do this.
0: Now, bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
1: Welcome back to The Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM and on the 620 CKRM app, wherever you're listening, however you're listening. Thanks for making us part of your day. We're joined by the excellent play by play man for the Edmonton Elks, Morley Scott, on 630 Ched. Uh, Morley, last time I talked to you. Uh, you couldn't come on the air because you were on granddad duty. How do you like being a? Gr- <laughs> How do you like being a grandpa? And have you got your Christmas shopping done?
7: Uh, I
5: love being a grandpa. It's uh, I usually pick pick him up from daycare on Fridays, and it's the best day of the week for me when the season ends. So yeah, uh, and uh, I have hardly started anything yet. I'm I'm a late guy. It's not December yet. There's no need to panic. But do you look
1: after the um, the uh, grandkids' gifts from your end, or do you let somebody else do it and just put your name on it?
5: Uh, I I think it's a, I think it's a mutual decision between my wife and I, uh, I usually, uh, I usually just put my name on it though. She'll do, she'll do most of the work and I'll go, yeah, that looks good. I <laughs> like that.
1: Hey, if you could have one thing for Christmas for the Edmonton Elks, what would it be?
5: Um, well, that's tough. There's, there's a few needs. Um, how about just a bunch of wins? Just a bunch of wins because I think more than anything in pro sports, winning cures so much. And I think a bunch of wins would go a long way to helping the Edmonton Elks moving forward.
1: Looks like you have a quarterback going in, though, that gives you some optimism.
5: Yeah, for sure. And that's something I don't think people felt last year uh, at this point of the season. Uh, But yeah, I mean, Trey Ford came in and wowed everybody. I think he tailed off a little bit. I think that, you know, defensive coordinators are smart guys, right? And and Mm -hmm. I think after they got some got some tape on him and got a chance to to watch him play a little bit. They were able to devise some schemes that, that maybe slowed him down a little bit. But, I mean, he had some electrifying plays. Uh, he helped the Elks win four games this year in the final half of the season. Uh, and uh, I, I think the, the future is very bright for him because he's got so much skill and so much talent. He's got to learn to use it the right way, and, and hopefully he's going to spend the off season getting better.
1: Might put you on the spot here, but staring at their free agency, uh, you know, players head of the free agency, is there somebody on that list that you think they need to get signed up here right away that's, a, you know, get back into the fold, so to speak?
5: Uh, yeah, there's a few guys, and I'm just, uh, I'm just calling it up here right now. I know, uh, uh, Brett Boyko was an important signing, uh, midway through the season, uh, solidified the offensive line. I think AC Leonard's probably a guy you want to have, have back on your, on your team as well. Those two guys are the ones that, that jump out, uh, just looking at the list, uh, right away. Kyron Moore, who led them in receiving also is a must. So I think those would probably be the top three guys. That they uh, that they have to get signed, and there's a few you know special teams guys. pure Purefoy as well, very important too. Mm. So you know there's a handful. The Elks the Elks free agent list is a lot shorter than it has been in years past. So I think it's it's more of a case of, of Chris Jones is kind of finding his guys and getting them to longer term contracts, and now he just wants to add some pieces to the puzzle moving forward. So
1: what are the areas of need you'd see going into the uh, you know the free agency and and obviously mining for players like he likes to do.
5: Yeah, I, I you know what I think that, I think they're you know and it's funny to say after a 4 and 14 season but I think they're, they're you know their needs aren't as long as they have been in years past. I just think they got to play better. Um uh, I think they could use uh, the, the uh, some shoring up on the offensive line. Thomas Jack Caddo is another guy. who's a free agent, so put mm-hmm. him on the list as well. Um, I, I think the offensive line needs to be better because you're going to have to give Trey Ford some extra time. He's a guy who, if you give him time, will make plays with his arm or especially with his feet. So if you can give him more time, I think that'll help and that'll also, of course, help out the the, the running back as well with you know help him uh, get more uh, more more explosive plays and bigger plays too. So I would say that's probably the biggest need uh moving ahead you got to get some 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 quarterback rushers as well but i mean you can solve that by re-signing AC Leonard and a full year i think with um uh, Jake Suarezna on the outside he moved back and forth because of injuries a little bit last year but i think you get him for a full year on the outside And you'll have a pretty good tandem on either end of the defensive line. So that's what I think anyway.
1: I've heard rumors that Coach uh, Chris Jones, GM Chris Jones uh, might uh, tinker with his coaching staff. And and I look at this here in Saskatchewan, we're still up in the air with who the head coach is going to be. I'm hearing Corey Mace, and I'm hearing that Buck Pierce have really impressed in their interviews. So, uh, you know, pick your poison there, I guess. But uh, if Jason Shivers is the odd man out here, maybe he comes over to Edmonton and helps on the defensive side and maybe lightens the low a bit for Christian. Just throwing that out there.
5: Yeah, and, and I think it depends on on who's who's leaving as well, and if guys are going to get other opportunities or if they want. To move on, I think uh, there there might be one or two of those guys. There usually is on most staffs. Uh, the one guy I'm I'm interested in is Craig Dickinson because he, of course, worked for many many years with Chris Jones. And uh, if if he wants to come in and be the Elk special teams coordinator, I don't think there'll be anyone who will be arguing that because he's pretty good at that part of his job. And a lot of times when when head coaches don't go back and are, and are fired, they they need a year or two as a coordinator before they kind of get uh, get back in it, get the stink off them and get back into it and then, and then can apply for other jobs. But um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see because there's also a Stephen McAdoo angle as well. I mean, he was removed as offensive coordinator during the season, but still was on the coaching staff. So He's what's he going to do? He was on the defensive side of the football uh, for the last half of last year. Is he going to want to come back? Is he going to want to take that role again? Or is he going to want to look and look for something else somewhere else in the Canadian Football League or, or maybe U.S. college ranks? Yeah.
1: Rick sure upstairs. That's a nice anchor for the business side of things. <laughs>
5: Calming influence. I think that's what they needed more than anything else. They just needed somebody who could uh, just settle the seas a little bit because it's been a pretty rocky few months. Uh, He's come in and he's made some hard decisions. I know that – we've had some staff layoffs over the last uh, few weeks since the season ended. Uh, he's doing his best to cut expenses uh, and, and get the Elks in, in a financially viable situation moving forward, and that's part of the announcement that was, that was made last week as well. But yeah, he's, I think he's, he's a guy that everybody trusts, everybody likes. He, he knows the team, he knows the city, he knows the league, uh, and now it looks like, Michael, that he'll be staying for longer than we thought. Originally he was coming in just to the end of the calendar year, and then that got extended into the new year to help him kind of help uh, transfer the power to the new president. But I don't think they'll be naming. I, I don't even know if they're still looking for a new president now, because uh, who would want that job with the ownership issue up in the air right now, once they decide how they're moving forward, if they're going to stay community owned, or if they're going to uh, go out and seek private ownership, or if they're going to find some sort of hybrid uh then whoever is running things at that point then they go out and find their president so i think Rick Lalasher will probably be here as team president uh through the 2024 season
1: he mentioned we need a new stadium or we need a better stadium what do you think happens there because they did renovate the seats there a while ago and they've got they've got some decent facilities it's for me when i go to edmonton i love uh the the vantage from the press box from my standpoint uh just the stands are too far from the field
5: yeah, for sure. That's the track, right? Uh, the track, you know, was, was useful during the, during the Commonwealth Games and during the 2001 track and field championships. But other than that, it doesn't get used, right? Uh, and it just puts it, everybody, it uh, puts the, the first row of seats too far away. So everybody gets pushed back. I don't know what you can do to fix that. You can maybe, uh, and again, Rick, Rick said that uh, there needs to be substantial uh, money put into it. And, and maybe he's even thinking moving uh, on one side, which would be the press box side, maybe moving uh, all of the uh, moving the whole field over a little bit so it's right up against the, the first row, and then you've got a big some big empty spaces on the other side. Maybe you can put in some some party seats and some party areas, uh, you know, to sell for group sales over there. Although that would put everybody on that side of the field pretty far away from the game. So yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what you can do with Commonwealth. It's a beautiful stadium. It's just not a uh, a nineteen or a, it's not a two thousand and twenties. CFL stadium. I mean, the perfect stadiums in the in the Canadian Football League, if you can pick, are Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Hamilton, and Ottawa. Well, everything but the broadcast booth in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Uh, you know those are the those are the great spots. They're they're twenty eight to thirty five thousand, and they have a great atmosphere, especially when the stands are full. And that's what the Yanks are looking for. That's kind of why they chose to close the upper deck next year and move everybody down to the lower deck, so that they'll create a better atmosphere uh, for for people. As they're you know you get everybody you know when you get a crowd of thirty thousand in Commonwealth Stadium, it's half empty, right? But if you get them all in the lower deck, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot more exciting in the lower bowl. It's gonna be a a lot more exciting and people are going to enjoy themselves a lot more i think the people who are up top and lonely and the people who are down below and lonely they're all going to meet in the middle and and be in the lower deck and i think that uh, it's going to create a great atmosphere
1: Uh, lastly Morley scott where where do you think this uh, ownership deal is going is it going to the privatization route that's what i'm hearing i don't think something like that would work in saskatchewan will it work in edmonton
5: I think it will if you get the right people. you got to find someone. And, and the name we always hear, let's be honest, is Amar Doman, right? He's the perfect owner. He, he, he's he got enough money. He, he cares about the franchise. He cares about the game. He cares about the community, and he's put it all together. And he's not really a hands-on guy. You hire good people to let them run the team. And I think that's what the Elks have to do, kind of find that guy. Because this is more not so much of discussing whether it's it's private or or community owned. I think it's just all about cash and having a cash influx, which this team is probably going to need into 2025 and 2026. May, I, I can, I, you know, and I'm just spitballing. I see maybe a group of uh, businessmen, uh, you know, uh, combining the money and coming up with a purchase price to buy the team. And they'll still run it kind of as it's being run now, but they'll just be, somebody who has a little bit of a cat can put a cash influx into it when they need it and somebody to make the big decisions. So I I see it heading that way. I don't know if if one straight owner is the exact perfect way to go in the Edmonton situation, but we'll see how it develops. It's, it's going to happen. I would think it's got to happen one way or the other. They got to make a decision by the start of 24 and have it all done by the start of 25.
1: Morley Scott, thanks for your time. And uh, we probably won't talk before then. So Merry Christmas to you and yours and the grandkids. Okay.
5: All right. Thanks, Michael. Always good to talk to you. Happy Christmas to everybody in Saskatchewan, too.